Hi, I'm Olivier Bouchard. This is part two of the podcast where me and my friend Raphael Bennett talk about the game we played this year. If you haven't caught the first part, please listen to it first. It's going to make more sense. In this second part, we're going to talk about our 23 favorite games. Those games are Adios, Boomerang X, Chivalry 2, Dead's Door, Inscription, Hitman 3, Jet the Far Shore, Kid A Exhibit, Lost Judgment, Metroid Dread, Mundown, Nuts, Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye, Overboard, Psychonauts 2, Resident Evil Village, Returnal, Road 96, Sable, Tales of Arise, The Artful Escape, The Forgotten City, and Wildermint. Enjoy! All right, so we are back. We are back here for part two of our Game of the Year deliberations here. This is this is the section where we take our list of 23 games, our short list, and we narrow it down to 10. I guess we might as well just say, I mean, I know it's just, it's really just for us, but hey, anybody listening, spoilers, and also uh, we love all of these games. That's why they're here. But I think, th- I think this yeah. year in particular, we might have to get really mean because just because of the nature of the games and how different our lists might be. I feel like last year we went through all the game we had put in the shortlist and it was kind of nice because it led us... We went through all the game and then we did the list in like five minutes. I feel like maybe this year it's going to be harder to make the list after, but it's good to get all, all the games out. So we talked about them. Okay, so you want to do it again where we... Well, I think... We go uh, through these 23. Unless you had a better ID. Uh, I can just start by cutting your games. No, <laughs> uh, no, we can do that. Um, yes. At least, at least uh, as a initial blush here. Yeah, I am not gonna say the criticism I have against the game. I want to cut just yet. We're just okay. gonna talk about them. Okay, so I'll, I'll start here and just uh, we'll start with Adios, the first game in our in our short list. So Adios is a roughly forty-five minutes to an hour long. Um, text adventure it is just you engaging in dialogue with uh between two characters and the premise of the game is that you are a man near the end of his life who is who has spent his life uh at a farm feeding feeding people's bodies to his pigs that the mob has been uh been giving him and this has been his way of life for a while and he has decided that he's out he's done he doesn't want anything more to do with the mob and uh, so you you go through a series of conversations with this young hip mobster who is um, anyway the whole the whole game is just innuendo, and the conversations are very uh, very sharp and fast and uh, I I liked it a fair bit more than a fair bit I liked it a lot. Uh, the next game we have is Boomerang X. So Boomerang X is a first person shooter. You. Uh, you're basically stranded on an island and you have this kind of glaive kind of thing that you can throw and recall, but you can you can recall it, but you can also recall yourself to hit. So basically it's going to throw you where the, gla- the glaive is and you're going to catch it back. And then you can basically fly doing this by throwing it and like just like recalling yourself to it all the time. And you have also slow-mo ability that lets you like 
because everything's moving really fast, but you have a lot of slow-mo. It lets you like take your time to aim. And it's basically a series of encounters that are very, they're very discreet encounters. Like it's very much you enter in a room, you're gonna have to kill that number of enemies and you do these things. And like sometimes there's not even the ground you can go on and like you're just flying everywhere and trying to catch enemies uh, in the air while shooting them. And it feels fucking great and he has a cool style, but it's a very simple game too. Cool. Uh, then we have Chivalry 2, which is, okay, I'm going to use a term which has a different meaning in video game context today, but this is the only legitimate battle royale game that I can think of. It is a sprawling multiplayer versus game where it's just, you know, red versus blue, and you're all just sword-wielding medieval armor-clad doofuses who just like scream and run at each other and it's just like smashing two action figures together and there's this huge very complex battle system that you are explained and then really all that you're doing is just hammering the buttons to try and swing your sword and hope for the best because there's so much chaos and pandemonium everywhere you look in this game that it is it is silly and also like just enough competitiveness involved and it anyway it's uh it's a great game. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, just one note I need to add, like most of the time you're gonna be a knight with your sword and whatever, but sometimes you spawn as a peasant for some, like some <laughs> some uh, map starts, you will start one map, uh, one team as a peasant. So you're just a peasant trying to fight off like knights with armor and shit. And like, you're gonna fucked up. And I know, uh, I don't know how many map they have, but there's one map at the time, at the last, part of the map there's going to be one player that's going to spawn as a king or something and you need to not get killed so it's basically the whole team of the other side is trying to kill you so you're just like alone against 32 people and you hope that your buddy are gonna try to like defend you but like uh most of the time it's a very fair game but like there's this moment of where it just breaks all in and just lets you go like have fun killing peasants for a while and I don't know sometimes it creates situations that are unfair but in a fun way yeah and anyway whatever I, I there's so many things you can do that sometimes you're just like I'm gonna pick this up and throw it and see what happens and you're like I love when they when they put the when you're at like the top of a barracks and people are putting ladders up and you're just like kicking down the yes. ladders but then there's people coming at you from all sides and anyway it's just uh it's very exciting and silly yep uh, the next game we have is Death's Door, which is like a top-down uh, Zelda Souls-like type game where you play a little crow that are supposed to get people. Uh, you're basically working for the offices of death or something, and you're supposed to go get four people that refuses to die. Basically, their time has come, but like they refuse to die, and you're getting them for the office of death. And it plays out as a small top-down Zelda-like, which with a little simpler mechanics, but also it goes for precise combat as a Dark Souls without maybe the level of difficulty of a Dark Souls. Yeah, if you say so. If you say so. The combat. Or no, we're not gonna get into it. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, Inscription's a really neat game. It's um, it's very meta, but the the whole premise of Inscription is that you you are playing a card game. Uh, which has this deep lore attached to it that is all inside of the fiction of the game. 
uh, when you first start it, you wake up and you're kind of in this ram this ramshackle cabin in the woods, and there is this oppressive figure who has clearly kidnapped you and is sort of forcing you to play this card game with him. And uh, you can stand up and explore the cabin. And as things unfold and as you beat the bosses and as you progress, the game opens up and starts to introduce these FMV elements. And then, you know, it opens up into a whole second game, which is kind of based on the Pokemon trading card game. And then a third game, which is another riff on the rule set that you're introduced to at the beginning, which is a little bit more Souls-like in its gameplay loop, but also has this cybernetic card game element to it too. And it's... uh, it is a lot more style over substance, but it's uh, it's impressive in its own right. And there's a, a lot of the presentation elements are so strong, and it kind of compensates for some of the deficiencies in in the gameplay. Yeah, very cool. Like, yeah, if it's style over substance, the style is really fucking cool. Yeah. The next thing we have is Hitman Three. Obviously, the end of the Hitman trilogy. It's also the most experimental they've been with their level design. I feel like it's kind of, they could have done like just a victory lab, but they went uh, the extra mile. It might be the worst one of the three one if you take it like by itself, but the map themselves are very interesting. So one that uh, has been talked a lot is the second map, which is Dartmoor, which you go into the house of this very bourgeois family, and there's been a murder already, and you can disguise yourself as the detective going in and solve the map as a basically a murder mystery, and it's a whole story, and it basically becomes a point and click. From there, there's no stealth anymore, like nobody's gonna see you and be, oh, you're not supposed to be there, like you can go everywhere and play it as a point and click. The turn map, which is Berlin, which is probably my favorite map of it, man, I played ever. Uh, you come in the on this dance club, and before getting it on the dance club, you find somebody that's a, that is also an assassin, and you realize he's there to get you. And the thing that happens in, in this map, there's just a ton of assassins there to get you, and then you need to find ways to avoid them and kill a few before they realize, oh no, we're fucking... He's the best one. Like, he's not stuck in there with us. We're stuck in there with him. And then they run away. Uh, and, like, so they all, they all, they, they have, like, these regular map, but they throw wrench in what you expect in the titular Hitman maps. And sometimes it doesn't work as well. And maybe those maps are not as replayable as the other map of the season, but, like, it's just very interesting that to see them push the system they created, the design they created to their absolute limits of what they can do with it. To the point where literally the last map of the game is the Uncharted uh, train level, but in Hitman style. And it just, it really doesn't work really. Like for me, it was complete carnage. I was just like moving in with a shotgun and like killing everyone. And like it didn't really work, but like it's just fun to see them trying this shit with Hitman. That sounds cool. And then we have Jet the Far Shore, which is, it's very hard to explain. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't even know how I'll get into it. The, the premise of Jet the Far Shore is that you, you are playing as a, you are playing as a religious, like a religious cast on yes. a dying planet. Yes. And there's clearly an industrial class that is, you know, way overtapped like lots of overpopulation and pollution and the start of the game is this simply astonishing beginning where you're playing in first person and you're you're sort of walking through this decrepit destroyed planet into a which is 
filled with like beautiful architecture inside of it. Like you can tell this like once great civilization that you're walking through and you're boarding onto a plane or into a spaceship to take off into the galaxy because as it turns out, you are among a cast and uh, a, uh, a crew of all different sorts who are now following this hymn wave, which is a religious a religious symbol or prophecy or something. It's not really explained in great detail, at least as far as I know. And you're, so you're following this beacon to a different planet where you are starting anew, uh, and you are you are this small group of people who are sort of tasked with, well, you got to save humanity, and it's up to you five. Go find us a planet where we can live based on this religious symbol that you have followed. And um, you arrive on the planet, and there's all this you know, life you've never encountered, and you're flying your little tiny itty-bitty spaceship through this stunning new planet. Yeah, I think that's the premise. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to be a bunch of scouts, whereas there's, like, the big spaceship behind you with, like, remnant of your civilization just waiting to be ready to be there, and you're just trying to establish what will be the first uh, buildings and shit to like be ready when all the people arrive basically so and, and the reason why it's so hard to sort of nail down exactly what is going on in this game is that it's very it's very intentionally obtuse like this is it is the closest you can get to sort of like solaris as a game and sort of this yeah. kind of ethereal beauty and there's a lot going on but it doesn't you can kind of superimpose a lot of your own thoughts and feelings on what's happening yep. and you can kind of create a lot of your own beauty inside this world it's the soundtrack is stunning the look is stunning the plot is captivating it's the worst game to play like it playing this game just sucks <laughs> yeah uh, yeah everything about this game except the design is stunning and there are three moments in this game where i remembered being this the coolest shit yeah ever but then it doesn't play well and i think it's this game if this game played well it would be like other wilds again and yeah. yeah but like the only other game that gave me moments recently like this was on a wild but on a wild had issues but like at least the design kind of makes sense whereas the design of this game is kind of broken the, this is this is the ultimate best game of the year in retrospect like when i'm sitting when yes. i'm not playing this game yes it's like oh i love there's nothing i love more than jet the far shore but then when i was playing there were the number of times that i sat there like actually fuming at how yes. angry I was at what I was, what was being asked of me, and how fiddly. Yes. And the number of times you just like you slide down a mountain, and you're like, I have to get fucking back up this stupid fucking mountain. And then yes. you're like, just trying, you're just brute forcing yourself. You're trying to like Skyrim jump your the way up the mountain, yeah, and things are shooting jet. at you. And... Yeah, and you're like, I have a fucking jet. I'm supposed to go up a mountain, <laughs> but like it's super hard. And I don't know if you have this problem, but there's this creature with a. I don't remember what it is, but like this MacGuffin stuck in it that you need to go retrieve back. And then like there's little creature that annoys you oh, yeah. around this one. And you need to deal with a small creature without, before going to the other big creature and get the MacGuffin back. It's the worst moment of the year for me. Like, <laughs> hey, that is fucking shit. True. Uh-huh. Anyway, we'll, yes. we'll get into it more. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. Yes. Uh, the next game we have is Kid Amnesia <laughs> Exhibition. So I'm not uh, a Radiohead specialist, but like it's an exhibition inspired by the Radiohead album. So they they have a new they have a new remix album that came out this oh, year, which okay. is why why this exists. But it is a mashup okay. of 
their their two albums, which already kind of in their existence were always already sort of okay. a little bit of an A side B side. So okay. now you're getting kind of these two mash up in an interesting way. Okay. It's I mean it's it's a big it is a big art installation about this Radiohead album that comprises like a lot of unique original art and then some art from you know the original albums and I'm yeah. sure a lot of like supplemental material that you know I it's a lot of it was new to me too and I do love Radiohead a okay. lot so so the next thing we have here is Lost Judgment which is the second game in Ryu Gotoku's the second game in this studio's now dual running franchises I guess which are Judgment and Yakuza so this is you know really in some ways this is the next Yakuza game even if it doesn't take place inside that lineage so Lost Judgment is in in the Judgment games you play you play a character named Yagami who is a disgraced lawyer who has taken up to become a detective and you in this premise are you know you sort of get sent to this new town where there is a bullying ring and then inside the bullying you know inside of this initial inciting incident there is also a story of someone who is anyway who has committed murder but because of the way the Japanese legal system is set up he cannot be prosecuted for this murder so you need to find a way to prove his guilt such that this person can go to jail for the correct crime and uh it's uh it's a lot i love i love this game sort of as a legal thriller the problem for me with lost judgment is that it is a beat-em-up and uh, i just wish it were just a straight lawyer game but it does take place in the same city as yakuza like a dragon so this the thing about the judgment games and like all these yakuza games is that now once you've spent 500 hours in this franchise it does feel like coming home and the sense of place in these games is kind of unparalleled because of the way they're set up where you're no. you know you go from the 80s to modern day and you get to watch these worlds slowly evolving and changing and my I'm going to say it now because I don't want to forget about it my biggest issue with Lost Judgment my biggest disappointment with Lost Judgment is that it doesn't it takes place during the pandemic but it is not about the pandemic and it is not about right. characters engaging with that phenomenon even right. though it's um it's present day maybe the next one maybe maybe yeah Maybe they need to have the time to reflect back. The next game we have is Metroid Dread, which is Metroid 5? It is Metroid 5. Okay. Uh, Which is uh, the last 2D Metroid by Mercury's team, which had done the uh, 3DS remake of Metroid 2. It's a 2D Metroid, a very well-designed 2D Metroid uh, that plays real well in a very Nintendo-like fashion. It's also quite short and moves quite well so it's kind of cool as a game to just go through quickly through it doesn't reinvent the wheel the only new thing they really added are those uh, me robots which are basically those unkillable robots that stalk you in certain area of the games the same way like a resident evil monster could do uh but that part doesn't work that well i think uh, because, well, for me, it was like, really, I could try three times in a row the exact same thing and two times, like, the ME robot would spawn in a way that it would grab me and the last time it wouldn't, like, so... And it the game moves so fast that it's hard to react and be stealthy with the ME robots around you, but they're not that present that it becomes such a bad issue in a very good 2D Metroid game. Yeah, I think that's all well said. Uh, we also have Mundon here, which is a uh, a folk horror game set in the Swiss Alps. 
and it has this beautiful like charcoal look about it that ha- it has such a unique style such a unique look to it you know the color palette's really interesting it's like very hard to take your eyes off and it just has such a cool design to it uh and it's a game that starts off where you um you play a, a character named uh Curden who is coming in to visit basically to like do upkeep after after your grandfather has passed away and so even as you're just driving into town, there's this bus driver coming, you know, taking you in and you just see this figure standing on a mountainside watching you come in. And um, it's not that this is a, uh, it's not a scary game, but it is a uh, oppressive and kind of creepy game. And, and the whole aesthetic of it works extremely well. It, through the game, you're sort of, it sort of behaves like an open world adventure game where you're kind of taking, you know, mixing, mixing and matching items to solve puzzles and progress and, you know, expand, you know, explore your way through the world. There are three major sections to the game and then interspersed there's a little bit of stealth stealth horror action which is definitely on the weaker side but you you find out very quickly that like the devil is present in this world and things are happening on account of the devil playing tricks mm-hmm. on you and on those around you and there's um you know everyone in the in the small ter- area is either a little bit checked out and um and clearly like not possessed in some way but sort of influenced by their their surroundings or terrified because they understand that something bad is happening in the world around them i haven't finished it i really liked it until i had to do fighting against very silly looking hay monsters i i love so much that if if there was if there was something that was going to push people away from this game it is how silly the monsters are like if there was a moment where anybody who thought this game was going to be badass or cool or like a spooky horror game like that's going to push them away all the way (laughs) but see i would have loved those monsters in resident evil village (laughs) but like in this game it just didn't work for me at all and I, I would still like to finish it. Like I, it was one of those games I was trying to like quickly get to by the end of the year. So like it's maybe why I quit it qu- uh, quicker than I would have if I had played it halfway yeah. through the year. But like uh, the city monsters are really bad. Everything that came before though was really great. So. I think once you get past that initial section where they're sort of teaching you these are enemies that you will have to avoid. Um, they do a lot of, there are a lot of ways to sort of circumvent them. Like the second time you encounter them, they set up a bunch of, um, like explode, like a line of like explosive powder up to all of them. So you can like let, light them all on fire. If you just find the route where you can sort of set them yeah. all ablaze before you get there and stuff. And, uh, ju- just to make clear, like it's not, it's not hard no. or that annoying. It's just like, it took me out of the thing. I haven't played the next one either. Oh, nuts. <laughs> nuts is so good. I, I <laughs> not sat at the very top of my game of the year list for most of the year, uh, which says a lot about this year, and um, but also says also speaks a lot of volumes about nuts. I think it's rated like three out of ten on GameSpot <laughs> or something. Like that. I can imagine people hating nuts. Uh, in nuts, the the main activity that you partake in in nuts uh there's there's a day and night cycle and so every morning you are setting up cameras theoretically you have you know you start with one camera and then eventually you have three cameras and you're setting them all up in different spots so that at nighttime uh the cameras will record footage and hopefully you catch a glimpse of some squirrels collecting some of their nuts and so every night the the squirrels will follow the exact same pattern. So every morning you wake up and you reposition your cameras and you're trying to find a squirrel and then you're trying to follow them through their through their pattern and see where they go. And then eventually you find like one of them is like they're stashing like TNT along with their nuts. You're like, what the 
fuck's going on with these squirrels? Like, it's not just nuts here. <laughs> and uh, and then anyway, narratively, eventually, it sort of there's like a deforestation subplot, and you know, and then. I mean, the plot is neither here nor there. I, if it, the Nuts might be, uh, you know, might remain a game of the year game if they'd have had a more pronounced plot or if it turned out that, the, you know, the, the squirrels were trying to set up for world domination or something, but, like, they're not. The only reason that they show the squirrels doing anything other than collecting nuts is to show that they have more intelligence than yeah. your, your average squirrel. Like, at the end of the game, they save you. They save your life at the end, the squirrels. Like, okay. But what I'm hearing is that it's the best time loop game of the year. It is a time loop game. <laughs> it's so I loved in it's so it's so nothing but like when you when you're going over your footage and and you've just got like a bunch of TVs and you're trying to like build the sequence and you're just watching like scrubbing through footage looking at like okay the squirrel came in from here and he's like coming out of this hole and then he loops around this corner so I got I'm going to have to move camera 2 to this corner to catch where the squirrel shows up so I, I had a lot of fun playing <laughs> that sounds good like i want to play this yeah it's not it's not great but i love it (laughs) i haven't played the next one in a year okay uh and so time loop games so outer wilds echoes of the eye is the dlc to outer wilds which was our unanimous 2019 game of the year this is the best game of the year like I, I, you know, we talked about it before, but like there's no, you know, there's no contents. The the sense of awe and the sense of grandeur I had playing this. Um, I, I mean, I texted you 10 minutes into me playing how gleeful I was. Like as soon as I stumbled on the planet, I, I was thrilled. But like the, you, you forget just how smart and how clever and how cool the Outer yeah. Wilds is. This also, playing this after Halo, the Halo is not on this list because I played Outer Wilds Echo of the <laughs> Echoes of the Eye. The planet, and it's not a planet, it's a spaceship, but the world that you find after solving the initial puzzle, it's a, it's a cylinder that is looping gravity, and it's it's a Halo ring. So the, the planet is you are on the inside of a circular ring, and so every time you look up, you can see the, the stuff above you and the things all around you and the, and the whole loop. And so there are, there are three areas on the halo ring and, uh, and you, it's all, it's a body of water. And so you can push a raft through the body of water to reach different sections. And so there's, there's like a little bit of a roller coaster element to it when you're going through those sequences. Right. I, I won't, I'm not actually going to go into too many details because I do think you should play this and, and I mean, do it. But. The reason I haven't played it is because... I basically want to replay the whole Hollow Wilds thing. Like I played it on the Xbox at the time, and the frame rate wasn't perfect. And I feel like it kind of like I'm not someone that's really particular about like the technical aspect of a game, but I feel like I would want to do the whole play it at max. And... Like yeah, and I remind like I I still know the solution to Hollow Wilds, and I could probably like finish the game on my first loop. But I really want to fill in the whole clues map again, yeah. basically. But th- this is a full thing. This is this is like a, a good. This is like a, a game unto itself in terms of length. Um, yeah. But it does a lot of the plot elements that pop up in this do complement and add to the you know the main Outer Wilds loop. It. I'm trying to think of things that I, I feel like are absolutely worth cataloging here. I I'll say that just just to say the one. Um, Anyway, there there are three distinct sequences to what happens in in Echoes of the Eye, uh, and I won't go into the the second or third. I do think it. I think the whole thing is so fucking cool. It's so cool. But I will say that just like the the outer wildsy moment when all of a sudden I I twigged. I remember like just how spectacular this whole thing was. Is that they're in on this halo ring? There is a there is a dam, and then about halfway through the cycle, the dam breaks, and so it completely changes the way you right. interact with it. 
Uh, and so you end up having all these moments where you're listening, just listening for that moment when you hear the dam break and it makes a loud noise and, and it, you know, the way that you need to interact with that is very special. Yeah. Uh, one last question though. I've been told like there's a toggle for scariness in this one. You won't need it. Uh, okay. I, I think it's, it is scariness in the context of, you know, if you were, if you wanted to play this, like with kids scariness, there's a, there is a, there are creatures in this game, but they are, they are not scary. It's more that, um, there is a, a loose stealth element at some point. So, yes. you know, there, there's a lot of use of, um, darkness in this game. Yeah. So like there's a lot, there's a lot of spaces where things are completely dark. You, you event, you have a lantern through this game that is very essential to, you know, making your way through it. And so you are, you know, you're getting like a speck of light on an otherwise black screen and you know that there are other things around you. But I, I did find the ma- the base Outer Wilds with the angler fish like way scarier than what is yeah, in this. Okay. So. Well, the fish were fucking scary. Yeah, they're like really scary. <laughs> Even I did when I was replaying it, just like getting acquainted with the controls. I went to that one section on the main planet where you can pitch one of your um, your scouts through the, the bramble hole. And yeah. I forgot that I was going to get a jump scare from the anglerfish and, and yeah. was like really startled all over again. Like, what the hell is that? Um, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we're not going to argue it for a top 10. But no, you can, you can delete it right now if you like. Okay. Because as fine. much as it belongs, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. fit this. Next game we have is Overboard uh, from Inkle, uh, the developer of uh, Evans Fold. Sorry, Evans Gate. Uh, it's basically a very simple visual novel where you play a woman on a ship, on a cruise ship, and the woman kills her husband, and you're trying to get out without anybody finding. And it plays as a visual novel, but every time you fail, basically, you need to restart knowing what happened, and you can try again, also in a time loop manner, to get out. I... I think uh, Inkle, when they're working at it, uh, are some of the best writer around in video games, and like for a, like it's more like a fun wood on it than a very serious story about murder. Though like you obviously know wood on it, but like it's more poppy in a very Agatha Christie uh, novel type uh, kind of writing. But like the writing itself is very fun, and it's fun to go through the situation. I played it on my phone and it burned the battery like crazy, so it, I feel it's a game I can need to buy back on the Switch or buy back on the PC and play there because, uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's great, great fun. Then we have Psychonauts 2, which is the sequel to Psychonauts, and um, the production on this game is fantastic, the performances in this game are fantastic, the script is excellent, but it is, for all intents and purposes, a puzzle platformer uh, it leans a little heavier into the adventure game elements than the first game did like there's a lot of time sort of spent just talking to people and, and connecting dots in that hub area it's it's a joy it follows the i mean I, I could keep going i guess like you and i both know this game but maybe for posterity we can say it follows raz who is a young I, he gets demoted in at the start of this game but he's basically a psychonaut which is a part of the like psychic fbi and so that each level in the game is, you know, you entering the mind of a character and playing with knobs and dials, not illustrated as knobs and dials, but, you know, you going through a level in each character's mind to sort of figure out their personality and the root of their phobias and issues and sometimes rewiring them to solve puzzles in, uh, in the game's plot. And the next game we have is Resident Evil Village, the 8th 
main Resident Evil game, uh, which is a follow-up from Resident Evil 7 with Ethan's and uh, Ethan's stories, where now your wife gets killed at the beginning by Chris Redfield, and then your baby gets stolen from you, and you're trying to get back your baby, and you're going like it's this very I don't remember if they name it, but like it's like a village in Transylvania or something similar. I- Olivier, I completely forgot that you're trying to get your baby back and that your baby has been broken <laughs> apart into four keys that are held by each of the baddies. Yes. So I'm very much someone that's normally too afraid to go through uh, a video game. And still, I had to play this one with my partner. But it's so fucking silly. But like in this very Resident Evil way that it kind of becomes like this very... It's the best of of horror story, and like it goes from folk horror to body horror to like weirdo, like science fiction horror to like zombie things, werewolf things, and whatever. And it's just jump from vampires. Obviously, we also saw Lady Dimitrescu, and it's uh, this incredibly well-paced game. I feel. I feel like every Resident Evil game, the good one and the bad one, there's always the back half that's like kind of bad because it gets to the Umbrella Corporation shit. But this one is actually very well paced and it just goes from set pieces to set pieces to set pieces and they're always fun and silly and one is very scary but most of the time they're just like very poppy and even the very scary one is kind of... They're they're all so campy that even the very scary one is like, wait, is this a marionette? all attacking me <laughs> <laughs> yes uh but it has, it has a lot of personality and a very strong art style very strong it's surprising how good the gameplay is for another game and how good it feels seven also felt good but like just the shooting and everything like as a shooter it's a very strong shooter on top of having those very cool like it's the Call of Duty, Call of Duty of horror game, having very cool set pieces or game moments. It's so good. I what really love that. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous game. Then we also have Returnal by Housemark. So Returnal is a yet another time loop game, uh, where you you crash land on an alien planet, and every time you die, you start over, and you're sort of every as you go through it, you are discovering you know little bits and pieces that point out the fact that you are caught in this in this cycle. Your name is Susan. I don't remember. Celine. Yes, I think. Anyway, th- this game, you know, because it's a housemark game, which are just sort of have their pedigree in uh, score based, very flow oriented games. I mean, they, this is their pedigree for a reason, and it is absolutely one of those. I think that this is this is probably my favorite uh, my favorite distillation of flow in any game that I can think of. I think it is so pure and unbelievable that it's it, it kind of cribs from things like Doom, from things like Dark Souls, and the actual complete like serene state you find yourself in when every yes. when you when you're firing on all cylinders in this game is uh, so impressive. The the biggest issue with it is that, you know, the runs in the game are incredibly long. So you're having to, you know, make it through large swaths of the game over and over and over again in order to build up your character to take on a boss. But those bosses are so oh, pretty amazing. and so spectacular. And, uh, like, I think in some ways the, the the third boss of this game, it's probably the best anime moment in any game I can think of. Yeah. And the, the third boss, like, it destroys the battlefield and you're falling between rocks and just grappling between things. I think what, what Returnal achieves is this 
we always talk about set pieces and, you know, people make fun of something like an Uncharted for being completely on rails. And it's on rails because if you fail, it loses all of its excitement. But Returnal, the, the sense of accomplishment when you're going through these beautiful set pieces, like it really earns these moments that hit so hard by mm-hmm. being challenging and by expecting a lot of the player. I feel another one of the issue as a roguelike, like there's not that much difference in between each runs. I feel like the repetition can set in, so it become more of a thing of beating that level that you're playing over and over than like something like Binding of Isaac. Like you're gonna play two game of Binding of Isaac and your character in the end is gonna be completely different and you're gonna shoot like seesaw and shit like flying around. Whereas uh, in another run you're gonna shoot laser. Whereas in Return all the runs can be like there's some difference in the items and but the runs can be very similar which is a problem, but it's safe by just how good it feels when you get there. And the next game we have is Road 96, where which is also like kind of a narrative rogue, roguelike. Uh, so you're uh, playing as a teenager, well, a new teenager every time you start the game, trying to get out in a different country by passing the frontier of your country, where you're obviously it's illegal to do so. And you're gonna meet like this cast of character that's like a returning cast of character that like all the teenager are gonna meet and live like funny poppy experience with those character up until like you play and manage to pass the frontier. It's really, really well written and really fun. And for such a heavy subject, I think it managed to uh, straddle a line of being political without being like heavy and then and just being a fun story. And like the character that are you're gonna meet are they're they're bigger than life. Like there's one serial killer which is like he's obviously a serial killer. Like it, you're curious again with this dude. I'm like it's <laughs> obvious that the dude has a fucking problem. There's these two like kind of loser bank robbers like loser that like are just very fun to be around and very like you feel that they're very excited and chaotic and like they obviously have guns and so they're fucking dangerous but they are also like kind of exciting to be around and you're gonna live these very exciting adventure as a teenager trying to pass the frontier i love this game so much okay it's a great game <laughs> It's a great game. I, I really like it. The, the writing is really good. So then we also have Sable, which is, um, I can't think of what the, the term is off the top of my head. It's not a coming of age story, but it, oh, it's a rite of passage story. So yes, you are, okay. you are, you know, you're starting, you're in this small town, it's this very small community, and you build your first bike, and then you take off into the world, and the basically you are given the advice of, you know, go find the mask that matches you. And so you do a, a series of quests for people all over the world. And, uh, you know, you could put on different masks and see the one that best matches your identity. Uh, and in the game kind of lets you end it whenever you want by just saying, all right, I found my mask. And you go back to your home base and say, all right, I, I picked it. Uh, the whole game is inspired by Mobius paintings, which is this, it's very, um, I can't think of what the, the term is, but it's, it, go ahead. I wouldn't know either. It, it's all, it has like a cell shaded vibe to it, but it's this very, um, it, gorgeous. We're just going to call yeah, it gorgeous. It uh, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous sci-fi it, aesthetic that just yeah. blows you away the second you see it running. And it kind of plays uh, like uh, Breath of the Wild without fighting. Which, like, comparing it to Breath of the Wild, obviously Breath of the Wild is a much better and much, like, has much more budget and, like, a bigger world and more interesting location and much more involved location. But, like, you're just on your little jet scooter 
driving over sand dunes and like going from places to place and doing like what are basically RPG side quests of like finding stuff for people or like finding places for people or solving very basic puzzle but never like it, because it doesn't have combat and the puzzle are quite simple it's more like a, a mood piece and just having stuff to enjoy doing in the world than trying to find solution to problem basically yeah uh the next game we have is tales of arise so okay so <laughs> you're amnesiac uh, you have a full mask that occupies all your fucking face, and so you don't know who you are, but you're part of this slave race that have been enslaved by, by people coming from another planet. You also cannot feel pain for some reason, but you don't know why, because you're amnesiac, obviously. And then, in your slave encampment, there's this girl trying to get away from there that comes from the slaver race, and she has this cool gun and this cool robe, so she's probably a bourgeois or something. And uh, everybody that tried to touch her uh, get burned, but obviously because you don't feel pain, you can touch her without having any issues. Uh, except that you're getting burned and she might still kill you, but she's also a healer. So you can touch her and she's gonna burn you, but she's gonna heal you after and she's trying to get away from the slaver, even though she's a slaver and enslave your race. And then you don't know why, but you're trying to help her like in the revolution and thing. And you're gonna need this cool cast of character. Like there's a dude that's called Law and he has obviously problem with the law and daddy issues and a big Oedipus complex. Anyway, and uh, it's a JRPG and I fucking love it because like every time you're in a fight, it's active fight. And every time you're in a fight and you cast a spell, like a character is going to scream something. And there's also a fire spell that the lady can cast where she says, get toasty every time. And I just fucking love it. And uh, it's full of melodrama. But after that, there's going to be a, a, a scene where people like sneeze all the time. And it's going to be joke about the fact that people sneeze. And then it's going to be melodrama where the character father gets killed and they all cry for 10 minutes. And it's amazing. I, I didn't finish it. I... I'm mad that I didn't finish it because like it's probably one of my favorite RPG I played in a long time and I didn't expect it to be so good. There's also a full like credit intro credit late dial card scene with a crazy anime song. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, I don't understand why people say this game is worse than Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII is obviously bad compared <laughs> to this. I love it, it. Everything you're saying sounds great. Yes, and you like, also have you haven't dropped it. Like you, it has been like a a, a part of your repertoire of, of uh, yes. big games for a while. I lost so much when she screamed "Get toasty" before casting a fire spell, and the last few tales game kind of looked like crap. But this one looks is very colorful and looks very good. But like when you're in a combat, it's all those spells popping off and they're just like a bunch of colors coming from everywhere and everybody's screaming and everything's happening at the same time and it's cool. I like, I like your passion. And then you're going to talk about sneezing for 10 minutes because, ooh, she sneezed. <laughs> and it's funny. I told you also about the cooking in this game. No, maybe. So basically, uh, there's a side quest where you go to a village and everybody in the village got killed and then you find a cooking pot hidden and obviously those people were slaves and they were killed by the slaver and you find the cooking pot hidden and like your character was oh that was the most precious thing to these people was this cooking pot 
So they had to hide it because it was the only precious thing they had for themselves, uh, which was just a cooking pot. But like they knew it would be important to other people and then you like the cooking for later in the fucking game. But it's just like a shitty cooking pot that they hid somewhere. And there's always like, I don't know, like there's always a big anime morale to each arc of the story, uh, which is great. I love it. How far through it are you now? 20 hours. Do you have a sense for how far that is? Is that halfway or is it like uh, a third? I've heard like it's a third. Okay, jeez. Yes. And, you know, it has JRPG problems, but uh, I quite love it. Also, you can unlock bunny ears for your character if you want. I think Scarlet Nexus might have also had some bunny ears. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which breaks all fucking cutscene. <laughs> like, your character look fucking dumb with their bunny ears. That's, a, that's, that's good. It's worth it. Yep. Okay, after that, we have The Artful Escape, uh, which is, I, I think probably people would classify it as a coming-of-age story. I think it's more about, I mean, yeah, okay, it's a coming-of-age story. It's about finding yourself and sort of stepping out of the the shadow of what's expected of you and kind of embracing the parts of yourself that um, that you actually enjoy and figuring out who you are and where you belong. But really, really what it is, is it's just a series of vignettes where you're shredding on your guitar and you're you're just walking through an area holding the shred guitar button while metal shit happens around you. And it's basically, and I'm going to tell you this, and I, I, think, I think it speaks to what I like about this game and why this game has had so much for me, is it's basically metal Christmas. Because the whole game is you just holding this this shred button and lights and like twinkling lights and sparkling lights popping up all around you while metal shit happens around. So there will be... Like, there, one of the first major scenes in this game, you're, like, alone in a, in, in, like, an arctic area where there's, you know, it's just snow spanning forever, and then you're shredding on your guitar, and there's these twin planets in the distance, and then there's just these creatures that come, these, like, octopus creatures that come out of the ground, and their little light bulbs going off based on your shredding, and then these giant furry elk legs just start stepping into the frame, and there's just creatures all around, and their snow is twinkling, and I, I, every time, every time I started to play this game, it would make me smile so much. Whenever I got to one of these just moments of just me alone with amazing art design happening all around and like fireworks going off all the time for no reason. It was, anyway, I think, I think this game might have given me the biggest smile of the year. That doesn't yeah. always count for everything, but you also, you know, you're this character who's, who's, you know, under the, they're sort of on a life path of becoming a folk you know, a folk musician because your uncle was a folk musician. And so everyone's kind of waiting to see what type of music you make. And then you're just like, no, I want to be glam rock. I'm a glam rocker. <laughs> At some point in the game, you get to like pick your costume. And so I just made the most flamboyant Bowie costume that I could. Uh, you get to pick your name. I was the classy smoocher. So, and then every time it says your name, <laughs> just like there's like this little electric, like, yeah, that goes off. It's a cool game. Uh, it didn't catch me the way it did with you, but I didn't get to the coolest stuff about it, I feel. And, like, I'm going to play more of it, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, the next game is, we have is The Forgotten City. So in The Forgotten City, you kind of wake up close to a girl and she tells you that you need to find a dude that, like, uh, an archaeologist that, like, kind of got lost in a, a ruins and a ruins. And you go, you go there and you basically travel back in time to the Roman age 
and you realize that you're in this time loop in this very weird city where there's like, uh, I don't remember how many people living, but like it's a small number of people. And if one of them commits any, what's the word? Like a, like a, it's not a sin either. I don't know. Yeah, it's a sin. Um, yeah. If, if you break the golden rule. Yeah, if you break the golden rule, everybody turns to gold. And uh, the mayor of the city, well, what's the mayor at this age, will t basically tell you somebody today is going to break the golden rule and I want you to find that person and like tell me who it is to find a way to unbreak the golden rule and basically like close the loop or something. Yeah, and you do that. Uh, it was adapted by uh, Skyrim mod which the Skyrim mod wasn't uh, in ancient Rome. It was in the Skyrim world. But yeah, it's a full adaptation of that Skyrim mode. So it worked like a Skyrim game, but there's not that much combat. It's mostly talking to people. And I was talking earlier, oh, a game made the dead loop linear quest in the time loop better than that loop. And it's this game. Like it works, like it has a very Skyrim-y quest log that you can go through while still being in a time loop type game. Yeah, Forgotten City is great. And the last game we have, I don't think you play much of it, it's called uh, Wildermyth. Wildermyth is like uh, this fantasy XCOM-like, but with uh, a, a procedural story. So it creates character like randomly and your character are gonna interact in small, little small scenes that act like a comic book and depending on the personality of the character and the choices you make in the game all like those story are gonna change procedurally but like it's stuff like if like you have two characters fighting beside each other a lot of the time uh they're gonna get they're gonna become friends so it's gonna change the story between them and they can become lovers if one of your character dies obviously you're gonna have like to deal with the death of that character and the scene that it's going to create. And there's fun wrench thrown your way through and that stuff. Like there's a very Lord of the Ring infection like ring thingy that happens later. And one of your character becomes corrupted and like the story that creates from that. But like it's, it's all procedurally generated in a way that like wants to recreate and does a good job at recreating the emergent story you get in a TTRPG role-playing game. Uh, and it's also, it's heavy, but also just light enough that it never becomes like when you're gonna lose a character, it's just become, it, it will become more of a fun moment of, yeah, that character died during that like crazy fight and he saved. Uh, also, they have a, a last end moment before they died, so you like, which is a nice mechanic that you can use. Like, so that character died in this fight, but he saved all my team. And also, the character aged, and there's gonna be a specific point in the game where. Like the game's gonna be a uh, ten year past those two had a kid, and like later you're gonna be able to recruit the kid, but also like some character will lose that and gain other stat if they age a certain level, and there's like mechanics to make your character live longer or later and stuff like that. And there's multiple campaign, and one thing you don't realize at first is that some character that you add in the other campaign are gonna come back as side character in the further campaigns that's so cool this really feels like the best game i didn't play this year like this feels like maybe is the game of the year that i didn't get to spend much time with. yeah it's, it sounds so cool yeah it's really fucking cool i feel it's hard to it's the the stories are always very basic 
in a way that lets them like change the character around easily. And it creates that problem that you're never that invested in the stories, but it creates those fun things to talk around about, yeah, that dude like died and saved my whole team or the kid of those two people be he became a hero, but like he went depressive because his mother died in a fight against Goblin and then he started hating Goblins and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so we have been through all 22, 23-ish of our top games of 2021. So I feel like, I mean, there's definitely more to say on all of these, but also we can start this process of shrinking, of removing 12 from the list. I mean, we have always done this in such a way where we just start slashing things. This year is it's such a minefield. Like I truly I truly don't know what is on your list. There's not even Yes. I don't even have like a whiff. Like I know Hitman 3 will be on your list. Okay. And the rest of these, all of these could be on your list. Well, no, there's like two that you know I haven't played much, but like otherwise like everything else can be on my list, yes. And uh, I mean the whole uh, the Joker card this year for me is nuts. <laughs> because it might be your number one. It might be your number ten. I have no idea uh, where nuts is. <laughs> so I mean, I can tell you where nuts is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, first, I think we can give up the dream since we were talking about it. I don't okay. think nuts is on this list. Okay. And nuts is also okay. not on my list. Okay. But I do okay. love nuts. And it's, I, I like it more than Bowser's Fury, Little Nightmares 2, other games that I yes. played early in the year. Nuts is a good game. So, you know what's going to happen uh, is that the game that's going to end up being your goatee is not going to be on our list. My goatee is not going to be on our list? No, but like the or or game of the year, or communal cooperative game of the year, or whatever, it's not going to be on our list. We're just going to be, yeah, it's a good game, and yeah. whatever, like, it needs to be there, it's probably on your list, so whatever. And then it's not going to be on both of us. If there was a year it would happen, it would be this year. Yeah, I don't think it will happen, but, yeah. So, I, I feel like you removed one, so... Well, I, I, yeah, I cut nuts. So, okay, I'm going to remove one of mine. I really do like Boomerang X. It's not on my list. I think one of the good reasons why it's not on my list is it's not as elegant as a Puss Void is. So it kind of takes the space, but like it's still really fucking cool. But just, I, it has a lot more... So you're always just fighting in arenas, but in between arenas, there's a lot of traversal where you're giving, you're being given new abilities and new stuff. But like, at the end of the day, it feels really small, but not as streamlined as Postvoid is. So like, Postvoid feels elegant in this, in a way this doesn't. It's still super cool though, but it's not on my list. Postvoid has made such an impression on like my life by way of you that you you say it and I'm just I'm whisked back to such a time and place of Postvoid. Yes. It, it reminds me of you so much. Like so I love this such game a so huge game. Too. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that you had liked Boomerang X that much though. Um, it does make I, me want I, to play it way more. I really do like it and it's actually like 2 hours long, so like it's easy to just go through. Okay. It's not that hard either. Like, it's hard, but not unbearably so. 
Do we keep... Okay. It's just been such a weird year. Do we keep this process of cutting games now? Do we just do it? Oh, well, you can... You can name a game and I can disagree with you. But, like, yeah, we, we're supposed to cut game as much as we can. Death Store mm. is not one of the ten best games of the year. I really like Death Store. It's... I think it's one of the top ten games of the year. You think Death Store is one of the ten best yeah, games Yeah, I of think year? it is. So my issue with Death Store, like, I love the aesthetic of it. I like the music of it. I don't... The story never clicked for me, but like more than that, I just I think that the gameplay is it is the it is the most exacerbated the Dark Souls issue has been. Like, you know, I I, compl- I complained about Hollow Knight being like, oh, this doesn't really need to be a Souls game. Death Store, I was so every time I had to repeat a section, I was so pissed. It, I don't think I gained anything from the challenge of it. And, like, there are boss fights where you're at this three-quarter camera. And the very first boss fight, that first optional boss, and you can just disappear behind the boss where you can't even see yourself. And then he can swing at you and die, and you get booted back to the beginning. You go walk back, kill a couple dies. I So maybe it's a thing, but, like, except I never died more than once on a boss fight in this game, except the optional ones. So for me, it was very, like, one of the notes I have about that story that I found the difficulty to be perfect for me, and I understand it might not be perfect for everybody else, but, like, I never... It's a game that pushed against me just enough that it was hard, but it was never this thing that is as hard as a Dead Soul game, a Dark Souls game that I'm, like, or even as hard as Hollow Knight is. And other than that, like, the story is not that interesting, but it has more characters and character... Uh, both in the art style and in the interaction that you're gonna have with the character. So like there's one character that like is kind of tired and he asks you to hit him and like the first time you hit him like you're not strong enough and so every time you're gonna upgrade your damage you go get you go back to him and you hit him again and it's just like it has this weird um obviously it's about accepting that and everything but like it's also light enough that like it's always a fun take about the fact of accepting that without being weightless and just being light so i kind of like that i kind of like the i like the art i think the art's very good i really like the music i really like that there's all of all where everything moves with the time of the the timing of the music and i like that unlike other metroidvania that came out this year it has actual secrets that are just that are more than just health upgrades and like you get new weapons or you get new abilities completely. So I liked everything about that. I could see it going later. It's really like it's not a top tier of my list. Okay. Okay. No, but, that's fine. That's fine. We don't have to we don't have to get rid of everything, but I think even just the poking and prodding gets us a little bit closer to understanding yes. what this list would look like. I think this is part of the fun also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I will say though that like you saying the difficulty was perfect like boggles my mind because uh, you know to me a game where the difficulty is perfect is metroid dread where it was like i actually at the end of the day was like oh this is quite easy but it always felt impossible you know Uh every time you encounter something you'd be like oh there's no way and then by the time you were done you're like oh i perfected it and i could perfect it 10 times in a row if i wanted to (laughs) see i cut metroid dread before it cut that store for me because metroid dread i did the 100 percent playthrough of metroid dread even on hard and like again, I didn't even find the game to be this hard. It's weird to hear people saying it's a very difficult game. It's 
Again, it's also a game where I thought the difficulty was perfect and that it pushed against me, but I was never frustrated. Like, I died once or twice against a few bosses. And even the Emmy stuff where, like, the Emmy, as soon as they touch you, you have a very quick but very hard quick time event and you die. But, like, the checkpoint thing is so generous that it never got frustrating to me. And that being said, uh, my problem I have with Metroid Dread is that they walled you off in a way that makes the game linear. So you, it is you, a linear game. It's a very strange. Yeah. It is the most linear of the mainline Metroids. Yeah, so there's no sense of exploration, really. And basically, if you want to do 100%, you get to the end of the game because they stop walling you off there and you just go back to the whole world to get the secrets. But all these secrets are out upgrade or missile upgrade. And there's a few that are behind this very hard like um, platforming challenge. I did it just for the sake of doing it. But then you get a missile upgrade and you're like, why the fuck did I even do that? Like, what's even the point? I'm not even using my missiles, all my missiles against the boss. So, like, I really liked it and it feels, the game feels really good. So as a 2D platformer that I just go really quickly, I really liked it. But as I'm a sucker for the Metroidvania exploration, I was very disappointed I didn't get that from it. If we're if we're doing Metroid Dread confessions, I I do think uh, I I can't stand that all the areas look exactly the same yeah. and they it's there's no aesthetic quality <laughs> like there's no there's no you know ice area I just need, I don't even need anything really complex I just need to get more of a more of a scenery change than it just feeling like oh narrow hallway yeah number one number two number three yeah there's a green one and a gray one and that's basically it yeah and even the green or the blue it's like a it's a real, like, dockside, you know, gray-blue. Though, like, I mean, it feels... It's rare to see a 2D game that is as polished as this because, like, AAA games are not 2D anymore, except, like, Nintendo games. And, like, it was cool to see a Metroid doing with this... with this level of... Uh, with Nintendo level of budget and, like, money thrown behind it. And... Um, yeah, it's polished to a T, but like it didn't. It wasn't remarkable to me. Like it, it, it won't stay with me. Like other games do. It's a, it's a weird. I, I feel exactly about this game the way I feel about um, Link Between Worlds, which is yeah. like I I feel myself really compelled to maybe play through it again at some point and like enjoy the comfort food aspect of it. And I think if we got one of these every couple of years, I would be completely dismissive of this one. It doesn't. It doesn't. It feels like maybe it's not a particularly good quote one of those. But since there's been five in 30 years, it yeah. does have this like, oh, these are great, though. And I also, really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, the thing for me is that there's been five Metroid, but there's been so many 2D Metroidvanias. And there was a lot of, okay, this is really good and it feels really well. And it's very well realized, but there's better game that exists in this space. And they actually kind of evolve from this. Whereas I feel like Metroid is still another Metroid. Yeah. I, I just did think it was so propulsive. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about the way that you just get upgrades back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, uh, also, um, but also there's the fact that you cannot get lost, which helps it being yeah. propulsive, but also it bothers me because I want to get lost in those worlds, and that's what I like about that structure. And maybe it's not what... Maybe that game aimed at something different, and they did it well because, like, it's very propulsive. It's also... Like, it's six or seven hour long, but, like, it's the kind of game that even though it's six hour, you could do it in one sitting because, 
like it never stopped adding like upgrades and new stuff to find and new stuff to do. But like, yeah. I, I sell a lot of games. I will not sell Metroid Dread. I do feel like it was that level of good. I will play this game again. Yeah. I love all the sound effects. And again, this is like a, that is a purely nostalgic thing. But even those getting those missile upgrades, the first time I got one, I did have this, oh, right. Metroid. I like these. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say against, again, and then, uh, against the Dead's Door. In Dead's Door, when I found a secret and it was a new weapon, that was nice. Whereas missile upgrade... Like really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. you, I mean, I you know how I feel about these things because this is the same thing with Jedi Fallen Order, where I don't really yes. care what the you know the it's the satisfaction is in solving the puzzle and getting it, not in whatever you get for me a lot of the time. I mean, finding real secrets is obviously real rewards is also obviously very cool, but yeah. I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna pack three hundred real rewards into Metroid Dread. Yeah, I know. Uh, I did love those boss fights though. The last boss is excellent, just when you're looping around it and it's like basically non-combat. Yeah, the last boss is excellent. Even the one where you have to play Flappy Bird for a while that I know a lot of people complain about, I kind of like. And it was great. Yes. I like them um, all, yeah. The... Yeah. And there's, no, there's not much repeat except in the um, mid-boss or like mini-boss fight, but even those I found really fun to go through and solved in a way. I found that the hard, the hardest fight for me in Metroid Dread was the double space pirate. Yes. When they, the first time that happened, I was like, oh, this is really tough. I don't know I don't know yeah. how to get better at this. So is it on your list? It's not. I think we're cutting Metroid Dread. Okay. Okay. We're cutting it. It's a really good game, though. Okay. Oh, it's so tense this year. I, <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I mean, I suggested Death's Door, and then we just found our way to Metroid Dread. What... Uh, what would you propose that we get rid of? We only um, have to get rid of nine. Yeah. I'm trying to see games that are mine that I could cut. You're such a nice person. Okay. See, I, well, I went specifically for Death Store. Yeah, well, they don't exist anymore. Um, I really like Overboard. I, haven't, I feel like I need to replay a lot of Overboard. And I think it might be one of the best games of the year, but it's not on my top ten personally. So if you want to keep it, I'd keep it, but if you don't want to, we can cut it. No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I did finish it, and I think I got... I don't know how many endings there are, but I feel like I perfectly got away with murder. Like, I got away with murder and got away with my affair, and, I, you know, we ended up in some... We, I felt like we were rich rich on a des- on another island, like, away Perfect. with each other. Yeah, it was. It felt very good. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's, it, I just like, I, I think the presentation of the game is so cool. And I think it's, um, I don't think I've ever played a puzzle adventure game, like this type of adventure game that was this level of short form, where it was, it really is, you're talking about solving like five puzzles or something. Like it really is a quick, yeah. snappy thing. And it's so elegant in the way it whisks you from thing one thing to another. Yeah. And it, it feels like there's a lot of clockwork action happening, but there but isn't a, really. Yeah. And, not and, that much. So it's yeah, the presentation is effective, and then the gameplay itself is really strong inside yeah. that. I really had fun playing Overboard as the worst killer ever. So I tried <laughs> like hiding under my bed and just stay there and always like fumble my words. So I would say, "Oh no, he's there," and then they would tell me, "Oh, we haven't found him." 
and we all hadn't seen him since yesterday and then they were uh, but you said that he was there like a few minutes ago and i was like i really enjoyed being the worst killer around that was fun like it's worth doing just because the writing's so good like even if you know it's not the solution it's just just worth doing to see how the game's gonna react to you being like the worst person the worst killer in the world so i had fun with it and I, I like, you know, we, we talked about like Deathloop's possibility space. Like I do feel like for something so slight, this does have this moment where, where when it starts the game off and it gives you that series of questions of like, what are you going to do to prep your day? Mm. And it feels like they're all going to spiral into some completely different direction. But, you know, really, you just need to take care of your earring and go find the other earring and all that. Yeah, but, yeah it's it's great, but we can, yeah, we can get rid of it. I, I mean, I think we can get rid of Lost Judgment. Okay. Lost Judgment is there because, I mean, their games, their games are so much better and more interesting than most, you know, big budget AAA plots out there. Uh, And there's so much, like, attention to detail in these games that is completely unnecessary that they do because it's the Yakuza games. Uh, You know, like, the, I don't, I guess you haven't played Judgment, but you have your sidekick is this, like, what's the word for, like, a stupid hunk? A douchebag? No, uh, no, no, like the cute, the cute one. Anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, he's very, very sweet. He's the nicest guy ever, and he's this big hunk, but, like, he doesn't cross the street on red lights. So sometimes you'll just be, like, walking through town, and you're like, what, what the hell happened to Kaito? And you turn around, he's waiting on the red light. And there's stuff like that that is fabulous. Um, I My biggest issue with Lost Judgment is an issue I just had with Plain Judgment, which is just that Yagami, the main character, he's just, he's got his chain wallet and his leather jacket, and I, I just hate him. I, I, I don't like the main character at all. He's too much of a cool dude. He's, he's too much of a cool dude. He's got that real murder soul sus, murdered soul suspect energy. <laughs> there's also, and I bet that this is like a pandemic thing that happened, but there's this really funny thing in Lost Judgment where there are two or three cutscenes that the production quality on is unbelievable like unparalleled compared to anything else in the game and they reuse them so many times <laughs> you can tell that they are so proud of these couple of cutscenes and they really do look spectacular like there's this one one of the main crimes that's like a through line throughout the entire thing is that you there is a guy who gropes someone on the subway and then he gets chased out of the subway and there's this big chase scene but it's all taken on a cell phone so you just get this cell phone perspective and then he gets caught and a bunch of people wrestle him down to the ground and you're just seeing it all shaky cam but it's really really convincing and really well performed and acted and like all the choreography is really good uh but you just see it it repeatedly yeah and the so i have i do have to tell you that 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 specific thing that i highlighted is um it's central to the story and it is the funniest best best worst thriller solution where it's he has okay so the whole game is about bullying and one of the i won't get into the whole plot of it but one of the things that is that this guy because his son was bullied into committing suicide he ends up looping in everybody anyone who has been affected by bullying and has had something bad happen to their kids he like they all get rallied together to they're gonna they're gonna kill all the bullies basically and so it turns out yeah, yeah. Uh, it turns out that this whole thing was staged and that everybody's kind of in on it. <laughs> so there's a lot of moments where you're looking through different cameras. She's like, hey, wait, when did the decoy swap in and the other person swap out? And so that that like crime detective stuff is actually really fun. Um, mm-hmm. 
it really is just the combat that is you're still just beating guys up and yeah and that doesn't sound like the best of their game even though like the quality is still always good yeah uh there there are i mean it still does have yakuza yakuza quest and stuff like there's there's one where there's a guy who's everybody thinks there's like a ghost in the school and it's just there's like a kid who's wearing one of those like cuts inside someone's body so you can see all the veins and all and all the heart and the lungs and the liver and so you end up doing this big chase with this guy dressed up in one of those uh there's a there's a teacher who turns out was an ex-wrestler and all the kids pick on him but he's too nice because he doesn't want to lose his cool but then you just see like this twitching vein on his forehead every time someone like disrespects him and then at some point he loses it and you have to you know stop him back down yeah you have a uh I mean, you join the detective club at school, and you have a you know a dog that helps you around in the detective club. <laughs> and, uh, you know, love real it. yakuza stuff. Yes, love it. Uh, that I'm trying to think cool. if I had anything else I wanted to mention. Yeah, that it, that sounds cool. But like, I'm like, I should play Yakuza Seven and Judgment, the first one. But like, I don't think I can commit to like going as far as playing the second one. I mean, this is, I, I still wouldn't even, I wouldn't even play that first Judgment. I do like this one better, and you'd be better to just start here and do this one if you were going oh, really? to do a Judgment. Um, I, the first Judgment, for my money, as I, I think it is the worst of the, you know, that Yakuza franchise. Oh, really? Um, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, regardless, you know, Yakuza 0, 6, 7, like, there, yeah. are, there are other games you could play. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delete it. Uh, so you really do like Hazios that much? Yeah, Adios is really good. <laughs> I, I need to know why you hate Adios so much. So I was disappointed for many reasons. First off, it's written by someone who worked on uh, Paratopic, which mm-hmm. I love. I really love that game. So I was surprised at how much I didn't like this game. So there's another game that does... Was I a bad person? No, you're a good man. Maybe whatever better than this. And it's Red Dead Redemption 2. And I don't even like Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> uh, I thought this game was like sub Tarantino level of like philosophical, philosopher criminal uh, talking about their life and whatever. And talking, I never felt like I saw any character in those. Like, they were just, like, riffing on dumb thing about, like, a soda machine and, like, like a shoveling pig shit and the horse and whatever. And everything felt for me that it was, like, forcing pathos on me to the point where there's a scene where the character goes to the grave of his dog. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Because, like, you never heard of the dog before. And, like, it's the character accepting that he's going to die because, like, that other dude is going to kill him because you cannot quit. Like, the mafia, you're going to get killed if you try to quit the mafia. And then, like, it's the character being to the grave of this dog and being, oh, you are a good dog and whatever, whatever. And I just didn't care. Like, it was, it, it felt like just, like, a bunch of desperate parts strung with each other to create a story, but I never saw a real character in this. Both the, the, the Mafia dude and your character never felt they were a real character, and I don't know what's the point of using this setup to talk to me about accenting that. Uh, I mean, I I can buy the argument that it is... It, I, I think the things I like about it are the moments where you are playing a game 
and having to deal with these like yeah pretty cliche situations like i love you know when you call your son and so it's just like that moment of pacing pacing through a difficult call but you're getting to sort of like be there in in control of that and steering that similarly like you know the cooking the last meal that i i think is it's a cool down moment in this game you know it's all of five minutes or something but it is putting you in charge of yeah this it is forced pathos of course it is but you're you're just sitting there sort of like lingering on this moment while you prepare the meal and i i think that what works about it is the the role play of it and the fact that a lot of it does just kind of have that stage play energy so you are you know what is your blocking going to be through this what are you focusing on through that and uh i mean that's that's the stuff that i think is really cool in it but okay but you are unconvinced. Uh, well, I was unconvinced, but like literally you're better at me because I have like similar issue with Red Dead Redemption, which is obviously a much more produced game. But like there's a point where the character would be talking and I just let them on the controller and just let them finish their sentence. Like I wasn't invested in trying to play the game. Like I did the, like, so you play Horseshoe with the Mafia dude for a while. And like I did play that or like pet the stupid horse but like i didn't care about the interaction that much and like i i can see what you're talking about i i'm i'm almost surprised i mean for me the proof is in the pudding because like we we put it on and you know it's still 45 minutes an hour and it felt like 10 minutes like it's just the there was Uh not a moment in that first playthrough where i was like watching the clock like it just kind of happened and then it was done i thought it felt like forever This game has moved around my list more than just about anything else. Like, this is... I do... Go ahead. I kind of felt that because, like, I played it and I just texted you, I don't understand why people like this game, I think it's shit, and then saw, like, the um, Steam reviews that are at 95%, and it was very much, for me, a moment of throw hands, and, like, people don't understand video game. They all suck, and whatever. (laughs) And, like, I, I can't see what you like in this game, but for me, it's very much... I don't know. Like, you had to explain me that what you actually like in the game is the interacting while the story happened. Because for me, I just abandoned, like, two scenes in, three scenes in. I, I was just like, I don't care anymore. I'm just getting through this. You don't even think the ending is cool? No. Like, I like that you're sitting there with your meal and the shotgun, and you're just listening, and then you just hear, like, click, click, click. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's not, you know, there, it doesn't, it's not an action-packed moment. It's just the guy walks in, kills you. Shoots you. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I was kind of, well, that's it. Like after a few time I was, uh, after a few scenes, I kind of abandoned and I was like, uh, I just need to see it through to see what people like that much in this game. And I expected the story to take a turn, an unexpected turn, but like, it's exactly yeah. what you think it's going to be. So, and the dog, I cannot get over the dog grave. <laughs> like the dog doesn't even exist. There's no... Like, there's no picture of a dog somewhere. There's not a dog bowl that is empty. Maybe there is, and I just haven't found it. But, like, literally for me, the dog is a scene where they just materialize a dead dog out of nowhere to be sad because there's a dead dog and a dead puppy is sad. I mean, I, I think I think your argument for why this is bad is also, like, very compelling to have it maybe not be on our list. But I'm, I, I did just simply really enjoy it. Okay. Well... We can I, I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't get anything out of the writing. And I, I think you saying, like, sub-Tarantino does really hurt, because, like, this is clearly... That that hits very close to home and uh, definitely is striving for that type of 
cool in its kind of banter and dialogue, but I did yeah. think all the innuendos were really neat and all the, you know, we're talk the dialogue. I mean, it's not um, not unheard of, not something you haven't you know talked about or you know seen before. But did just enjoy these characters talking about one thing, but it's completely about something else. And yeah, I mean, we can keep it for now. We, we can, can keep it for now. Yes, but that was uh, the one I named. I I mean I'm not saying that this needs to be cut. Okay. I'm I just want to ask about your experience with Wildermyth. Because I don't and for me this is like if you tell me this has got to be number 3 on our list like okay. I can't believe you. No. <laughs> like the biggest issue with Wildermyth and Okay. Okay, we can cut it. The biggest issue I have with Wildermyth is that the main game, it's not bad. Like the main uh, TTRPG things, it's not bad and it creates cool situation because you're like some of your characters are going to get hurt or die. And uh, again, I said, like, if you keep your character close to each other, they're going to end up liking each other. But sometimes they also create rivalries between each other and influence the, the TTRPG game. But like, it's really... It's competent is the best you could say about it. Like, it's very forgettable in a way. Like, it works fine. Uh, there was a moment where I kind of was... My first character that died, I was, like, playing quite randomly, being, oh, this is a story game. I don't need to care about the RPG stuff. So I was just doing, like, bad choices, and then one of my characters died. So it's well-designed enough that you need to take care of it and, like, be smart about it. But like I'd rather play XCOM or like another okay. RPG or even Pathfinder, like or another RPG that is more a better realized around. Um, so like this is not as good as a Fire Emblem Three Houses or something. No, 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 no. But it's more interesting for what, what it does with the story stuff. And I haven't did I haven't done all the campaign in Wildermid, but they're not twenty hours campaign. They're four to five hour. And I could see myself playing another campaign in six months. And then, like, it's going to be cool to see those characters that I use, like, comebacks in the new campaign or being villains or being nice people or whatever. So, yeah, Wildermyth is, like, my number 10. So in the spirit of compromise, we will have to, like, cut it eventually. I, I really do like what it does, but, like, sometimes I felt that I was playing the game in spite of it because there's other... RPG I'd rather play and I was just waiting for the moment for the, st the story of the game to work in this very impressive moment that like I wouldn't expect and it happened like it happened enough time that I think it's worth mentioning and recommending but like again like there's some if there wasn't as many turn-based RPG existing in the world, like I would tell you this is one of the coolest things in the world, but like when I'm playing a tactical game, it's not that great. That's as they say, first blood, I guess. <laughs> yep. 16 games left, and we just lost Wildermyth. Okay. So I didn't finish Mundown. I don't know how much you like it. It's... It would be top five, I think, if it wasn't for the the, the quite silly reaction I had to the combat. <laughs> I, I thought like, you would also laugh with me at the, the the way that those scarecrows move too, and they even move like penguins. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, I was scared because you tell me you told me oh, there's like stalled gameplay in this, and what I hate the most in our game is when you're being stalked with by unkillable people. But when I saw it was hey people, I just started <laughs> laughing and being what the fuck. And I managed to finish that first scene where you need to go back to your house, uh, your grandpa's house, uh, your father's house, uh, and put the, 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 the candle. I just managed to pass that bit by running and just getting there and not yeah. even engaging with the fighting. So, like, I'm, I'm seeing myself finishing this game, but, like, there's very much of it's a good game in spite of this big glaring thing. Yeah, no, no, that that big glaring thing is pretty glaring, and there is a fair bit of it. Like, not it is it never becomes so difficult that it is an issue. The second area has you fighting bees. It's still it's still the scarecrows, but there are bees around, and um, I actually like it's one of those things that works really well because it the way that you deal with the bees is by taking your grandpa's pipe and then you smoke the pipe and then the smoke sends the bees away. And there so there is this like consistent like okay your grandpa's always kind of with you and it brings in the regular story like it's it's clever in that way and it does a lot of stuff that is clever in that that way and you know there's little puzzles that you solve in your you know in the house that uses like your grandpa's memorabilia and there's all these ways that it kind of interweaves to that original story that you know frankly like a lot of games even you think about a resident evil 8 which i love like really you are collecting those baby bits the like the bits of the baby but like there's nothing in that game has anything to do (laughs) do with your family except at the very beginning and the very end uh so that stuff i think is really good in mundon did you meet the talking goat yes Okay, and you have its head? No. Okay, eventually the head is just in, in your inventory, and so sometimes oh. you open up your inventory, and the head is just like, I got something to say, <laughs> uh, and it starts talking to you. No, the first flashback you have, you see the talking goat coming out of the house that burned oh, down. Oh, right, right, right. But yeah. that's yeah, that's all I got from it. The goat becomes like a companion in your Okay, voice. so I thought, I, I, I thought the goat was the devil very much like in... Um, the witch. The witch, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the goat is the goat is a good one. Um, I mean, obviously, something's going on with the devil and that witch, or in that goat, but... Um, uh, it's a good goat? It's a good goat. It's a good goat. So do you think the story comes around at the end? Like, is the story good? Yeah, it is. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of the times... I, I don't always think that folk horror works. Uh, and so there are even elements in this where I sort of do also have a couple there's a couple of eye rolly moments you know there are there are yetis in this game eventually too that sort of replace the scarecrow um so there are there are things that don't work as well but i do think that the constant re-emerging of the devil and the way that he manifests is really cool i actually i love there's a couple different endings but the first ending i got is one of the best um like treehouse of horror endings where you everything is you think it's all fine and all dandy and you get on the you get in the bus to leave and then you just see that the driver has that devil hat on and is clearly yeah. the devil and then you, you see a figure and there's an avalanche and you all you know the whole thing gets wrecked oh, that's neat. so anyway and stuff like that's really really cool um it has uh there's a whole sequence too where you get to drive and there's a couple uh, where you're like taking the car around and you're having to carry some things uh, so it has a little bit of kind of some of the stuff I really like even in like a Half-Life 2 where there's sort of some some slow moments between just between areas that uh, are quite effective yeah I don't I don't think it needs to make our list it's number 10 on my list it is okay. a, uh, uh, so I can also in the spirit of compromise get rid of it but the, the tone is so cool in this game yeah um, and the language like the that it's a real language but just very unheard of 
<laughs> language inside of it that's you know stuck to. So only five games you got now. You know, it could be. We always say it could be that it's we have the same list just yes. by accident. Five games to cut. We've both lost one from our personal list. Fifteen games left. You cut Mondon, so I have to cut something. You know what the problem is where where we're at now is that I'm so uncertain of my own list. Yeah, there also, are games that are not on my list that I look at on your list and you're like, yeah, but maybe that does belong on my, <laughs> on my list. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of that too on my side. Um, yeah. Okay, Hit- Hitman 3. Mm, I, I again, like it's a victory lap and there's a, a bit of a Lord of the Ring things where you want to say, yeah, this trilogy is much better than everybody gave it credit for. Uh, also, I think the Berlin map where I told you where you're being stalked with, by 10 people is probably the coolest map they ever did. It also has, like, I don't like the last map. There's another map that is not great. That is like more of a regular map, Hitman map, but like it's, uh, you need to go in a, um, a lab that's very similar to a Resident Evil lab, but like it's closed up in a weird way and there's not that many costumes, so it feels you cannot play it as much as a freeform thing that you would do with a Hitman thing. I'd rather Hold on, cut. I... Hmm? Oh, I was going to say, I need to actually check our our last year, our top 2020. Because if if you're telling me that we need to Lord of the Rings keep Hitman on this list, <laughs> then maybe we need to keep Hitman on this list. Uh, I'm not re- seeing Hitman on our 2020. Was there one? In, it was 2019. Was that the last? Yeah, one? it was 2019. I did fight to keep Hitman. So you're telling me Hitman's on our combined list? Uh, yes, I'd rather cut that store than Hitman. Mm, interesting. I feel. It doesn't succeed all the time, but because it has the Berlin map, which is absolutely the coolest map, and I kind of feel like you always ask me for Hitman uh, if I were just like going uh, from um, marker to marker. I told you, yes, there is these marker quests, but there's a lot more than they don't show you. And the Berlin map where you're stuck by people, they actually don't show you any marker. Uh, they're going to mark you the target only if you hear them talking on the phone with the people uh, asking, well, with the person asking you, uh, asking them to kill you. But there's still like a lot of um, story requests that are super fun to get. So it's, and also it's in this very big uh, like uh, bar and there's a big dance floor. So you get to have this scene where you're stalking someone on the dance floor. That's also in the dance floor and whatever. And you're just like walking by the dancer and everything. But like there's one of the, well, you can become the DJ and have the fireworks works that it's going to kill a lot of people trying to get you as you're DJing and everything. So it keeps that very silly and stupid Hitman humor. Um, also, like the first of all is in a skyscraper, and one of the solution to kill the people is just to fuck up their parachute and just start the alarm. So they just try to get their parachute and jump, and they die doing that. Like there's always there's still these very funny moments of Hitman humor in them, a very dark humor. I could see cutting it. I'd rather cut that store. I I, I think we keep it for now. It's a really good okay, game, okay. but like. Obviously, it's the third game in the series. If you were to buy just one, I would tell you to buy the second one, which has... Oh, really? You like Hitman 2 more than Hitman 3? Well, 
all around, I feel the quality of the map is probably the IS in Hitman 2. Like, there's just one map in Hitman 2 that I don't like that much. And even then, I think it's pretty good. Whereas in Hitman 3, there's, like, those two maps. Like, even the story map is really fun. But you're not gonna repeat it that many moments. Though I need to share an anecdote about that map. So there's... So there's the elevation mission which are made for you to replay the map and there's one of the elevation mission which is you need to kill everybody in the well you need to kill the whole family in the map but it needs to look like an accident and the way I did it because I found no way to do it as an accident is I killed everybody in the map except those people and then put those people like uh, put all those people in a room and then let the chandelier fall on them but like I just see the coroner getting in the room and being oh everybody's dead because of a headshot but those six were an accident for sure like there's <laughs> 95 dead people in this place that were a headshot I, yeah it's not the best okay and you guys said that one, but like it's not the best map of the game but like they could also uh, been I mean, I'm not saying that developers are lazy, but they could have been safe with their maps, and I appreciate that they're trying new stuff and it doesn't work all the time. I don't think the last map that is very linear works, but like again, when it works, it works. And I really like the series as a whole, but again, like the gold uh, edition of Hitman 2 is the best all around package you can get from that trilogy if you only want one. That is disappointing. Because so. I, I would have thought, I would have liked to have hear, heard you tell me, oh, try Hitman 3. <laughs> now no. you'll like it. <laughs> like, I, I wish you could just like, uh, just play the Berlin map and see how you feel about this one. Eventually I will, I will have to do it unless mm. the James Bond game or something comes out and I, because, yeah. you know, I, I want to, I want to love these games. I want to yeah. be there with you. <laughs> okay. So we've cut nothing. Yeah. We've cut nothing. Okay. Um, no, yes. go for it. Your turn. Your turn. I said Hitman. <laughs> it does feel like we're in it, though. It doesn't feel like there's anything left that is not. Okay, am I? I'm gonna say something crazy. Okay. Okay. But you can stop me. But the Forgotten City is not on my list. Huh. Forgotten City is on my list. Okay. I could see losing the Forgotten City if we're okay. we're having to make a joint list together, though. Forgotten City is my number nine. Okay. I um, I liked it a lot. I think I texted you early going saying like, you know, I'm not sure that I'm liking this very much. And then you you said something like, oh, I thought it was pulpy enough or, you know, whatever. You said something to that effect. And then I, it did reframe it for me in a way. I was like, yeah, I guess this is meant to be really stupid. Because I, I was really turned off by a lot of the early meme humor. Yeah, and true. I was like, is this trying to take itself too seriously, whatever? Yeah. And then not long after I had decided, okay, this is stupid. I'm going to enjoy it for being stupid. I hit the moment where Karen turns out to be Karen, yes. the, <laughs> the, the underworld keeper. And that's, that is the funniest fucking joke. It's yeah. so unbelievably stupid and brilliant. <laughs> but it's funny because I hit that moment really late. Oh, really? In my game, so yeah, it it's a very good stupid reveal, and yeah. honestly, I loved how stupid the you go into outer space and talk to the ancient gods too, and they give you, and they give you like a real oblivion style, like 
here's 45 text trees if you want to really get into the lore. So, um, yeah, well, that was one of my biggest issues with it, is that the end, like, the main ending that you want to get, because, like, you're, like, you really want to get all the ending in this game. Yeah. Except maybe the first one. But uh, the main ending is super expository, and I really like... I really like the game when it was about the relationship in between each character and like when solving the story of a character would give you opening for the story of another character and all this is very well interconnected and plays as this very high school tier morality play like so obviously you're not if somebody's sin everybody turns to gold but like what is a sin is like and like you talk it's ancient Rome so obviously they have slaves uh, women don't have the same right as men and like people coming from different world and like Catholics don't have the different uh, don't have the same right as uh, the Romans so there's all this thing that is very fun on a high school debate level like a philosophy teacher asking you like well what do you think is a sin and what do you think about that and it never gets deeper than like the very uh, well, I don't think stealing is a scene if, like, you really need food and whatever. Like, it never really gets in the gray area, but I actually quite like that it was on that when level. You, and you, ha you have a conversation with that, the merchant who's refusing to give medicine to people and give people money and they're all dying, and, they're, and you say to him, like, hey, wouldn't this break the golden rule? And he's like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, for me, it kind of break. It didn't break. I really love that game, but like again, like the exposition at the end and how silly it kind of is, sometimes didn't work for me. But um, yeah. the the other joke, and I, I texted you this when you finished it, but like I lost my mind laughing when you when I got the best ending, and which involves you freeing the the I can't remember what his condition is, but like the dullard, the dumb guy who like he, the, the kleptomaniac who is constantly yeah. stealing things. And so you're like, okay, well he's a nice person. He hasn't done anything wrong. We're gonna free him. He doesn't mean anything bad. And then you let him out, and 45 seconds later, he's like, what's this shiny thing? <laughs> <laughs> he steals something, and then it's just golden rule. Everybody's dead. <laughs> yep. And you know, like I, I I think the main story is good, but like I guessed like the main reveal of who's gonna really break the golden rules which is the person that gives you the order at the beginning to find the like i kind of guess saw that coming but like again that's a pulpy thing it's totally fine yeah i also love so there's one speed run of the game uh which involves so you choose which character you want to play as at the beginning like you have like classes like i picked the archaeologist but there's one that is a soldier and you start with a gun with six bullets and like the speed run of getting the first ending which is dealing with the father figure that is mean is just picking that character and just going to shoot him in the head as soon as you <laughs> meet him <laughs> going back uh, i thought that was really funny but yeah. you did just remind me i forgot about the the other the other thing that happens where when the um the assassin comes in uh, and the way that you get rid of the assassin is by just saying, go over to that building, there's some treasure, or whatever you say. Like, they're in that one, and that building just always claps. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, is not murder. Yes. <laughs> That's very silly. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't know, there's stuff, like, it's implied that you're not the first 
traveler being there, but the other first traveler didn't find a solution. And like it took him like 200 loops or whatever to find a solution. And he just killed himself after a while because it was, he was like getting mad of trying and whatever. But like it doesn't make any sense. Like the problem itself is not that hard to solve. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, you're kind of dumb. But I, I quite like it. It's just, it's not on my top, but like I could also see it keeping it. I I feel like you have other games, like I have a couple number 11s here that I could see in place of Forgotten City if this is not on your list. But I almost also sort of feel like because we're in the thick of it, it feels like it feels like this is one that I almost want to like have around in case of. Okay. Well, yeah, we can cut something else. Do you have an idea though? No, 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 no. Let, no, no. Let's cut it. I'm just saying I might come back to you in 20 minutes and say, no, we're bringing back Forgotten City. Okay. <laughs> okay. You cut Forgotten City. Yes. What about Inscription? I don't like Inscription that much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we cut Inscription, especially if you don't like it that much. I do think it's one of the best games of the year uh, yes. on like aesthetic merits alone. I do think we kind of talked through a lot of what makes it so great. I mean, um, the first third is, is so strong. It's amazing. I, I feel my biggest problem with Inscription is that the, the card game itself is not that deep. So you kind of solve it in the first third and then you have to replay it twice. And I didn't care about it. And then again, like what's the most interesting about Inscription gameplay wise for me was very much the escape room thing in the first third. Like how the card game interplays with what's happening around you. And they don't really do that again ever uh, in a uh, way that is as in, as in, interesting as their first third. And at the end of the day, I didn't care that much for the meta story. Like, it's cool that it's FMV and everything, but like, I expect a meta game to, commence, uh, to comment on the reality of the game and like what a card game is or whatever. At least it's just be the interplay with the horror game and uh, the card game. But then the meta story is a whole meta fiction about like, conspiration and like evil game makers and an evil devil game that is hidden somewhere and I just didn't care about it. Yeah, I I love the first time you get to that FMV, I was so into it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so cool. This is so great. And like the kind of kitschy nature of the performance and stuff like that. But it just doesn't really go anywhere. And then that's the stuff I want. That's why I kept playing the game was to see more of that. And then the game just keeps going and going and going. It's so long. And then there's not really any more to say, like beyond the idea that, okay, there is there is an evil game and there's this guy who's caught in the middle of it. And then that's kind of it. Even his story doesn't really resolve in any way that I thought was Well, as soon as you see like the lady at this story, you're like, okay, well, they're going to try to deal with him. Yeah. fix the thing and it's exactly what happened. And like, I think at the end, there's this kind of... Um, fun idea that the game is breaking down and like it's deleting itself and like some of the boss you fought against at the beginning will be well we'll play one last game and stuff like that and there's this good melancholy bit but like it's very much i really like what was happening at the beginning and at the very end i had like kind of a whiff back of like those great moments about the reality of the game but like the six hour in between those two points i didn't care about really that yeah the moment where they say oh we don't need rules just play the game with me or whatever that is a very cool moment it yeah. works it's very effective i also in that last little bit 
it goes on a little too long like everything else but i like when all of a sudden they've all got Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> they've mm. all got Yu-Gi-Oh things on their wrist and i thought oh it kind of had that sayonara wild hearts so like oh thank you for just like if you're gonna do it you're probably not gonna do make another game like this you might as well encapsulate everything that had anything right. to do with this world and yeah, I, I do just, you know, that all the things at the beginning, the sound effects, the eyes floating in the distance, yeah. the abrasive nature, there's this, like, a really heavy bass whenever anybody talks, and, like, all that yeah, static. I mean, it, so if good. it was the first third, like, only the first third, I, that game would be top ten for me. Like, it's really that, like, it goes on and on and on, and has yeah. had a lot of stuff, but it doesn't, it never feels meaningful what it has after that first third, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's cut it. Okay. Hey, you know, it's moving along here. Yes. 13. Artful Escape. You like that much? I like Artful Escape a lot. (laughs) It's pretty good. Pretty good game. Okay. Um, I'm happy to keep talking about Artful Escape with you, though. Uh, If you would like. I mean, I I do think I sort of... the, The thing to really keep in mind... Metal Christmas. Yeah. It's... It's really cool. I mean, and it's, uh, you know, whatever, and speaking to me as a, as a person, like, there is that Disney, that, you know, Disney Main Street electrical parade type feeling. Like, even just that, I didn't, I wasn't into it until I got to that snow area. Like, I, did, I didn't really have a great reaction to the beginning with just a lot of dialogue and, mm. you know, the kid whining, like you said. But uh, even when you, even in that first area, because I replayed the beginning again, when you start strumming and all the lights on all the houses, like they create this big electric, uh, electric grid on all of them and the fireworks going off. Like it's, I just think that game is really pretty. And I do think the art direction is fantastic. And there is tons of stuff in the back end, which the creature design is so interesting. And, and I think the music's very good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't finished it either. So like there's a lot of moment I haven't seen. If you like I, it that much, we can keep it. That's fine. I, I will I will spoil the end to say, just because I have to note this down, that um, it does something that I, I I hate so much in children's movies and adult movies, but it it doesn't do the Lego movie thing. And so what I mean by that is that at the end of this game, you have to put on this big concert, and you're basically putting on a concert for like like a Cthulhu, like this unknowable force mm. in the galaxy. But like the, it's like a happy Cthulhu because there's nothing that sad, but it's just this unknowable entity. And you put on this great show, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you know, you rocked really hard. Good job." But like the reason why I'm not going to kill you and I'm going to you know spare the galaxy uh, is because your laser show person who is the other who's the woman who's with you like she's the real star and it was this moment where i breathed this sigh of relief because she's the only competent person in the whole story everybody else is a complete idiot and i was like okay good this game this game is rewarding the one smart person yes i really appreciate that okay i did i did think with this and I, i told it to you like you were either going to you were you were always going to feel this game was really shallow mechanically, but I did think if you stuck with it, you might hit the point where all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to finish it. Like, I only have two hours left to go, probably, so. Well, it's only four hours long, so. Yeah, well, that's it. I'm halfway through. Yeah, I'm definitely not ready to lose it for okay, what we have left. Okay, keep it for now. <laughs> is, is, is Chivalry 2 one of the best games of the year? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chivalry 2 is 
this is the most fun I had multiplayer in forever, basically. It's and really good. Without the stress of it, like I really liked Titanfall 2. I really got really good at Titanfall 2. But when I was playing Titanfall 2, I would get stressed in a way that was not good. Like, chivalry is all fun in game. Like it's cool when you're against three people and you somehow manage to survive and kill them all or survive long enough that somebody gets in their back and like chop their head off but like every time i die in this game it's like yeah whatever and i really love that it spawns you well first off it spawns you running so you're always running towards the fight and also it spawns you always in a group of persons so there's kind of this uh, we're banding together and screaming together and then we're just all gonna die at the same time like getting shot by stuff like it's the it's the kind of game where i had like very battlefield like type death where i would get shot by a ballista and not don't even know what happened but i was just like it's fun anyway yeah uh, you know what hearing the chivalry 2 is going to make our list uh does make me look at my list and go oh i might like our list better than mine because okay. <laughs> Chivalry 2 is so good and I think like every time I talk about it I have nothing but gleeful beaming things to say yeah. about it like, the game's awesome uh, yeah it might be a little shadow but eh it's eh. fine yes that's fine I, and I think you know it, it's if you're putting like I feel like there's like a premium you can put on there being no other game quite like it mm. um, it's not an experience you know we're, we're in the middle of this battle royale moment in time but there's no other game that has this type of chaos and yeah. there's so much cool stuff happening everywhere. Yeah, I, and I really do like that one of the map is literally the two teams on the battlefield. There's basically just grass and no <laughs> like decor or anything. I was just telling you, okay, you have a hundred life, they have a hundred life and it's just a ticker and who kills the most people. And it's just like, it starts, it's literally the two lines of fire just running in clashing together it's it, re- it feels really good to have this moment and like and i i like how it has, it recontextualizes every medieval movie for all history because like, you think about like lord of the rings you're like oh they're doing all these sweet moves and it's like no they're just bashing into each other <laughs> like plastic toys yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep it's really fun i had a lot of fun with chivalry i feel great about chivalry being on the list good it's my turn Okay, so if we keep the Artful Escape, let's say, do we keep Road 96? Fuck yeah, we keep Road 96. We definitely <laughs> keep Road 96. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, I think Road 96 we're is definitely su- keeping Road 96. Okay. I think Road 96 <laughs> is super cool. So let's keep it. It's not my list. I feel it might be because I played it too much uh, before the end of the year. Also, because I succeeded on the first try. Oh, really? Yes. And it kind of made the other try feel kind of weird. And like, but that's more an issue on how I played it, I would say. That's the only real issue I have with this game is that it's very much about the other character. Your character doesn't feel like much. Like, it's very much a blank slate. I, I, I really like that about it. Because I think it's the best... Like, I think this is the most interesting game design of the year. Like, I think this is the coolest 
the coolest like systems in in almost not not quite in like a, as profound a way as like a pathologic but i do feel like this is the one where you can see the paper version of this game and how the, like how this could work and then there's i think it's so interesting the way the procedural generation is used not to not to add to the narrative or to create narrative but it's that that is the element that lets you role play inside of a narrative that is happening so you have yeah. that overarching political story where there's like okay there's a, an election happening in mm. the course of this year and then there's a, a story underneath that which is the there are eight main characters and they all have stories that intersect and then there's you that you get to just be like a passerby and it lets you kind of reset your role play every time so you okay. can be an asshole and then also be a nice person and then okay. also yeah maybe see maybe the fact that i succeeded in my first thing made the other run i did added more mechanical for me but like i can see it this way it does block off ways to win okay so like if, if you escaped by like climbing the mountain yes you you can't do that a second time okay like you have you have to like pick the okay. different escapers i didn't realize that yeah uh, i haven't done all the stories so like it's weird because like um it's quite the opposite of a wilder myth. It's not like a procedural story. It, like the stories themselves are really linear. It's just you don't know the order in which you're going to see them, basically. Uh, so like I'm about 50% of the way through. Like I haven't finished it and I'm going to finish this game. Um, yeah. Yeah. If we keep it, I'd rather keep it than some other game. So. Yeah, no, I, I we, we must keep Road 96. Okay. <laughs> Good. I, I want to screenshot your face every time because there is there's like such a tension. Do we have to cut three games? Yes. I don't know if we can. Okay, okay. We need to talk about Tales of Arise. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and like it needs to have. Um... Disaster is that is I haven't finished it. I don't know how the story is gonna turn out. The only thing I've learned about my amnesia dude is his name, and the mask kind of broke off a little, so you can see part of his face. Uh, but it's the most gleeful I've been at the JRPG in a very long time, just because of how. Like, people sell tales as this very, like, it's your uh, comfort RPG that you're going back because, like, you're, like you can't know the beats, they just change the stuff around. But, like, this one feels like it's not that, like, you know the beat is that, and they, and they change the cliche around. I feel it's the maximalist take on those cliche because they put all of them, and, like, it's right at the beginning, in the first 30 minutes, like, okay, so you're amnesiac. You have a mask, you don't feel pain, and you're helping all those people that are sad and need help and whatever. And then the other character that is not going to be your friend, but obviously you're going to end up like being together and seeing. And there's space pirate, but obviously everybody fights with swords. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. So basically, the reason why you're slave is because the planet you live on as the fire, the air, the heart energy, and the water energy, and also the light energy, and the dark energy only exists on the other planet where the slaver came from, and they need all the other energy, so they came in and slave, enslave all the people so they could get the energy back. But then 
whatever, whatever you need. And they have like this kind of Hunger Game type thingy where everybody wants to have the most energy of a sword. So that's why you're being enslaved because like the, the boss of all those regions all want to have the most fire energy or the most light energy, <laughs> most water energy to be the best boss and to look cool in front of their dark boss on the other planet. Uh, that's where I'm at in the story and we're killing the five bosses. I really like Tales of Arise. It's also a JRPG with all that entails and with a lot of cooking minigame and shit. But I really love it. I don't know why I'd cut it. I cut Dead Store too again. So maybe it's time for Dead Store to go. You cut Dead Store over Tales of Arise? Yes. Okay. Hold on. Can I ask also? Okay. I want to know Tales of Arise. When his mask breaks off. Yes. All the way. He's going to be the prince of the kingdom, right? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know yet, but he, <laughs> it only break. Like, only half of it broke. Also, yeah. need to say there's... So, it's literally full mask. Like, you don't see your fucking face. There's even a scene where... And it's a side scene. You don't have to do it. But, like, it's a side scene where the lady that's with you, the lady which is from the slaver race, uh, asks you, how do you eat? And like, then your dude with his mask just stand wall. I'm just putting stuff at the bottom and trying to push it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of played straight, but like it doesn't make any sense and whatever. It must smell in there. But there's way too many scenes where you still have, like you have the full max for like four hour, five, five hour. But there's way too many scenes where people look at you and like, you look sad. And it's like, it just got to the person having a full mask. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really do like it, so I'd rather cut Dead Store than this. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to cut Dead Store. I, I, Dead Store is the only game on this list that made me angry. So. Okay, let's cut it. I'd like to see Tails finishing in there magically. I mean, it is happening. We're seeing it happen in real time. Even after all, all our, our like, I don't know what's on my list. I don't know what's on my list. Like, we're down to twelve games, and I feel like now, now we, now we know we have the same list again. Yeah, but like we cut. Maybe not the order. No, the order is gonna be also crazy, and we cut. Like I cut two games up of my top. Yeah, me too. So yeah. <laughs> So it would be my turn. The only other game that's not on my top that I could see coming, but like I'm not in a cutting mood around it, but I just want to know, like it wouldn't make any sense if it's not on both of our top, uh, is Kid Amnesia. But I feel it's going to be on yours. Oh, is Kid, Am uh, Kid Amnesiac is not on your list? No. So I'm going to tell you, well, I actually like that... Um, album like it's not my well there these albums I, it, I'm, I'm not the biggest Radiohead fan but I like those two albums but my biggest issue with it is that I really like the museum part of it but like in the back half it kind of became uh, strict and very linear for me like in the moment where you're like it's cool looking when you're um, I don't know, like you're like floating in the space and like there's the, 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 the particle coming to you and everything. Like it's really cool looking, but it kind of gets linear in a way that like 
I liked that at the beginning it's really an exposition and like you're going to a museum and you can change from room to room and decide which order you're going to do rooms and like it very interactive in this way after it felt a little more linear and straight. I mean, I I um I like that there is an actual set in there and like I like that linear moment. It's actually you know we were I'm teasing about it before, but I do wish I was disappointed when I played that Ariana Grande Fortnite thing that like I didn't feel like I got to listen to one Ariana Grande song. So I like that inside this there is that moment where it takes control away and they're like no, there are three. You're gonna listen to three songs. This is gonna be all of ten minutes. We're gonna you know show you a visual simulation here that matches those those songs and i i think some of the coolest visual stuff specifically those um like minotaur totems that are sort of they're missing frames and they're kind of rising and falling and they start to spiral and i guess i will i will say i also did start to cry pretty heavily through (laughs) through that that whole middle sequence okay but also i'm a you know i am a big radiohead fan so it was Well, you know, again, it me different, probably. Like I name it because it's not on my list, but I'd rather keep it than other games on there. It's just yeah, okay. No, I'm I'm happy. I I figured it made it onto your list just because it is. I I do think it's really fucking impressive. Like I think that's a really good game. Yeah. So I thought maybe even without, you know, even if you're only tepid on Kid A, that yeah, maybe it, it was a, a number eleven for sure. I really fought to have Wildermyth on my list. Because I think it's really cool, but it was complicated to get it there. And also, like, cutting Forgotten City was kind of a moment for me. Like, uh, Forgotten City was also a high number 11 for a long time. Was that, that was the one that you were cutting good games? Yes. Or to make, to make a point? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be not possible to lose Kid A. Okay. Do you have any other? No, I think I, now I feel like there's not like I don't want to lose anything here. I mean, I could make it easy on us. I could I could lose. I have sort of said my piece about Adios. Okay. We could we could get rid of Adios okay. to get us one step closer. Well, let's do Adios and Hitman Three then. Yeah, Hitman Three. Yes, uh, I I love Hitman Three, and it's actually higher than some other game in my list but like also like it's a sequel and it does interesting for a sequel but it's still like a sequel that has just a few added tidbits not like it's not a whole new game and like it's not even tales is not a whole new game it's a sequel but tales is a new like it's a new engine and like it's very much a renewable uh a new beginning for for this series so like i'd rather have tales than hitman tree I mean, that was my big, like, I guess my question. Would you actually rather have Tales than Hitman 3? Because I, well, I do I, sort of, I feel like Hitman 3 is probably the best. I, I feel Hitman 3 is actually higher on my list, but, like, there's part of me that, like, I feel if I had finished Tales, it'd probably be higher on my list, unless, like, it totally dropped the ball later. So Okay, sure. I mean, I'll take, I'll, I, I have no, I'm not sure I believe you. <laughs> Like I believe you because everything you've said sounds amazing, but I, I, uh, I, you have had so much passion for Hitman Three over the years. It yes. feels, or for Hitman. But like Tales makes me gleeful, and like it's a game that has a lot, a lot of writing, like a JRPG does, and they have those optional um, cutscene 
that like just gonna pop in the corner and it's gonna be oh do you want to see your character talk with each other and I'm always happy when they pop up because like again sometimes it's about sneezing sometimes it's about eating with a full mask on sometimes it's how do you dress when your skin burn and shit like this and like it's very matter-of-factly taking this quite crazy and dumb JRPG concept and trying to like create a reality of it and it's like normally in a JRPG like you don't care about how the fuck do the heat with a full mask on and whatever but this game has a lot of very dumb lore to explain all this shit and it doesn't really make sense, but it makes sense, but it's kind of fun to, like, see this character act it out. Okay. And, yeah, I love it. Well, then we have we have ten. Uh, I, I will read these ten. We have here Unordered, Chivalry 2, Jet the Far Shore, Kid A Amnesiac, Psychonauts 2, Resident Evil Village, Returnal, Road 96, Sable, Tales of Arise, and The Artful Escape. What a weird year. <laughs> this is the strangest collection of games. Uh, yeah. This is the strangest collection of games we've ever had on a list. Yep. This has got to be the most AAA that like a Just You and I list has, has had. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah, Return of Resident Evil Psychonauts is close to, well, especially now that they're bought by Microsoft, but Tales, yeah. <laughs> we got there. We got there. And now it's easy. It might be. It might be. Yes. I hate I hate because you've said you've had all this passion. I feel like Tales of Arise is probably the tenth game. On yeah, this okay. List. It's it might not be that great. <laughs> Tales of Arise might not be that great of a game. Uh it has a really pretty color. Uh <laughs> Yeah, okay. Good yeah. <laughs> I would say I, I'm afraid I'm gonna finish Tales of Arise and it's gonna shut up at number one on my list or something. Like, really? It's gonna be, maybe not, but like it might shut up really high. I mean, my top three doesn't make any sense, so I could see it take any spot on there. Just as the game is gonna, I'm gonna remember the most in my heart of art. Like at the end of you, the day, you are. I desperately want to play this game after the past like the past 10 minutes especially like just hearing you cut hitman 3 now i'm like hitman 3 is dead to me i want to try tales of Verizon. <laughs> uh one other problem i have with it so it's less linear than final fantasy 7 but i don't know why the jrpg kind of abandoned the word map concept like it's still one of those that you're going to areas and whatever but like it it's actually really pretty so it's really fun to just run around and like do fights and the fighting is really quick and also really pretty so like it, i had to grind a little which is always this kind of uh, jrpg kind of suck at the end of the day but like it's still i don't know even the combat i kind of like it just enough that it doesn't bother me as much as it did in final fantasy 7 or other jrpgs and I really like how it's going. Like it may, maybe it's just gonna break and be so done that by the end of it, I'm just gonna be done. But there's the other 
end of the spectrum where it still is done by the end, but like it's just so I, it wears its craziness on its sleeves just enough that I'm all the way with it. And we'll see. All right. Any, do you have any other thoughts on Tales of Arise? Any other last things? Huh. Well, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. No, well, that's okay. We can always, we can always pop back in and say, "Oh, by the way, I also love uh, X, Y, Z." I'm gonna see my notes. Oh yes, I have another thing. So all the um, okay, space slavers, uh, law as an Oedipus complex. As girl can be touched, dude can't feel pain. Also amnesia. Also mask. Uh, I also have a note, all the achievement in Tales of Arise are three sentence long full stories. So when you kill the first boss or whatever, it's like one down, four to go with power and friendship, your character are going to achieve <laughs> incredible things. It's like, what? <laughs> and like even the cooking achievements, like, oh, you cook like 10 different meals. We, uh, in a while, you'll become one of the best cook in the country and stuff like that. That's like, cool. I really like those achievements. I, I want to. <laughs> I forgot. you. Yeah, you had told me that. That is awesome. Uh, I really like that. So, yeah, it's a cool game. It makes sense at, uh, as a number 10. So. Okay. So do you like the Art for Escape that much? So, you know, because we've been shifting around our lists so much, the Artful Escape has, at, at a couple points, been extremely high on my list. It is very slight. Yes. It's very slight. It, I, I think it might be more slight than the Radiohead game. Like, it's very slight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of art, and I think the sound's very good, and I it made me smile the way Tales of Arise made you smile. Like, it just put me in a really good mood right. the whole time. Any, any, anytime there's music happening, I was very into it. And you know what my other problem is? And this is, it's not, I know you asked me about Artful Escape, so it doesn't really have anything to do with Jet. But, like, I, Jet has been the, has become the impossible thing to reconcile for me in my list. Because every time I think about Jet, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jet, incredible. But I hated playing it. Yeah, uh, well, same. So, Jet, yeah, I needed to cut the Forgotten City to have Jet on my list, basically. Because, like, if Jet was well-designed, it'd be the coolest thing of this year. Like, no question. There's a few moments where the gameplay was fine, and it's just when you need to travel from place to place, and there's not that much, like, mountains or shit to go through, like, when you're on the field on on the water. But really, it's, like, a third of the game, and every other moment I hated playing it. But then again, the music's so good, the writing's super cool, just the mood of it. And one of the things I need to say about Jet is that I was on the edge of my seat for the story, and you hear the story, and you're like, okay, you kind of know where it's going to go. But like, actually, even when the game's end, you actually are not sure they're going to make it out or not. And I was really grabbed by the fact that it's like, okay, like, it's one of those games... And I think the only other game that managed to do this is Other Worlds that where like the stakes are so high and I actually don't know where the game's gonna hand on those. So I'm actually stressed for what's happening. And the actual like set piece moments in yeah. Jet, like the beginning and you know, near the end, are, are 
Yeah. Astonishing. Like, they're so pretty. They're so beautiful. But then, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and even, like, I, I like in Jet that moment when it says, like, oh, you've got 20 minutes to explore. Yeah. And then, like, it doesn't matter if the controls are wonky and you fall down a mountain. Because yeah. who cares? But as soon as you need, and there's... Yeah, as soon as you need to go somewhere, it becomes problematic. And one thing that bothers me a lot is that actually your main base is on the top of a mountain that's hard to get to. And it's like, design-wise, they had to play this this shit and realize that it was kind of difficult to get through there. And they made the choice of making it difficult for you to get through there. And it's like, why, why would you do this to me? <laughs> like, I want to enjoy this game so much. And like, I'm okay... Especially like near the end when it's clear that your character are struggling and like trying to adapt as much as they can. Like I'm okay that the game is hard sometimes, but like this game's never hard in a fun way. It's frustrating and I would have been fine if it had been like just by the end or whatever when like the game is really pushing against you, but it's constant. Like every time you need to do something specific, the game is gets very difficult to deal with. And yeah, it's not fun. So this is why I was thinking about it, because it's so much. There's so much more happening than the Arful Escape. Jet is I mean, my. I th- hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Jet is my number nine, so like I'd be okay with it. I'd be at number nine, but I it, think I think it I think it should move down. Okay. Yeah, I think Jet should move to above Tales of Arise. Okay, but then the Arful Escape is really high on your list. No, I mean it's mid middle of the pack. I like Arfos game more than I like Sable. Okay. Also. I don't. <laughs> uh, I uh, We haven't talked about Sable a lot. So I was super disappointed in Sable at first because it was kind of crummy uh, frame, frame rate-wise. But then they fixed it. And there's a, a, a few issues. Like, I don't feel that the, like, sand speeder and whatever. Like, your vehicle is not as fun as con- to control as it could have been. That being said, when they fix the frame rate stuff, I just enjoy being in the world of Sable so much and just like moving around. It's so pretty, but it's also not pretty in a push forward for the game to happen where like it's very much a world that you take time to explore the same way you're going to do a Breath of the Wild world. Not as well as this one, but like it's the only game that gave me this feeling of just like exploring the world freely that Breath of the Wild did. I quite loved it. Is Sable your number one? It might be. Is it really? <laughs> it might. <laughs> I I would not have expected that. <laughs> but again, it doesn't make any sense because like <laughs> I remember playing it at first and being, oh, this is disappointing a little. But then like I played more and I played more and I played more and like I like, I finished the game, and i done mostly everything, but I still want to play more and just enjoy the world. And But the the biggest issue I have with Sable is that I it makes me want to go back to Breath of the Wild, which is, like, the better version of this. But, like, I still enjoy Sable a lot. I, I liked Sable a lot also. My issue with, my, my issue with Sable, and again, I, I loved it too. It, it, is my, it is my legit number 11. Like, Sable is right right there my issue with sable is that the literal writing is so weak and that the weak that much uh, uh, it's i think it's pretty weak 
I think it's a lot. I think my, I mean, this is very rude, but I'm going to say it because, you know, I'm just talking to you, but like, I felt a lot of the time, like I felt all the characters in Sable felt like they were coming from one perspective. Okay. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a, a multitude of personalities and a diversity of sort of people. It was sort of. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think it's not as much as an issue for me in that, like, it wasn't like the character, it's not a living, breathing world, like the character are literally standing there for you, like they're a quest giver, basically, so I didn't mind that much, and I think the, the writing is kind of twee, but like sometimes it's fun, and the game having no, it's kind of part of the game that it has no... Um, confrontation basically so like for me it was very much about inhabiting this word so maybe i didn't stick as much with the writing itself well so then and then my my issue compounded by the writing is that i didn't think the quests were interesting so no. i love being in the world yeah. and i would be like oh i'm gonna climb to the top of this just to climb to the top of this and then that's fun because it's its own reward and all this stuff but then i did feel like once i had kind of like been to every area and climbed to the tallest point on every you know, yeah. place. I was sort of like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. Like, they're literal side quests, but it's also like you hear this criticism like, again, bringing up uh, Breath of the Wild, but you hear this criticism about Breath of the Wild that, oh, I'm getting to a shrine, and then in the shrine thing, the puzzle is not that interesting, or it's just another fight shrine or whatever, and people are missing the point. Like, it's not about doing the shrine, it's about getting to the shrine, and it was very much that same feeling for me. Like, I was kind of disappointed because there's kind of a city that's, like, very up in the air and there's a lot of rock pillar in the in the area and then, like, I got to the top of the city and there's basically nothing there. It's just, like, a few characters you can talk to. But then again, like, just finding the way to get on top was the fun Yeah, for me. no, it was really fun getting up there. And I actually was a little bit annoyed with some of the fast travel stuff because I did, I really felt like I had conquered that mountain. Yeah. And then when I tried to go back and I didn't, the fast travel didn't click there. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not gonna go conquer that mountain again. I'm gonna go yeah. pick a different mountain. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Again, like, it, I feel it's a weird year because uh, I've said it a lot, but Sable actually, there's a better version version of Sable that exists. But also, like, for the feeling it gave me, and for. It's like you gave me an expansion to Breath of the Wild in a way, and just like my favorite stuff about Breath of the Wild was just mapping the world and exploring it. So like, even if it's not as good, I just had a lot of fun just going through it. No, and I I think that's exactly what I said to Anna when I was playing. I was like, oh, this just feels like a neat standalone non-combat Breath of the Wild. Yeah. That's that's a very big compliment. Yeah, to and this game. like there's a lot of moments where the climbing is not as good, and obviously like the writing and uh, the graphics are very pretty, but like on the technical level, it has a, some issue where the camera is gonna get stuck and stuff and like stuff like that. But despite all of that, it's still a cool feeling to have in a video game for me. So, game of the year. Yes, I know it doesn't really deserve it, but. <laughs> Well, you don't don't say that. No, but it's, it's prob- your game of the year. No, but it's probably. I mean, it deserves it from my heart. It's probably the game I want to go back the most to most of the time. Yeah, I I also kind of feel compelled to go back to it. Uh, Actually, like I played a lot of it over a long period of time, so it stayed with me, like literally for a long period of time. You know, I I had a moment where I thought, I bet it's possible that Resident Evil Eight could be could be Olivier's game of the year. So, putting the cards on the table there, but I think Resident Evil Village might be our top game of the year. 
well, and I, and then the second part of what I was thinking was, and if Olivier says it's his game of the year, I'm gonna switch it to my game. Because <laughs> <laughs> that game is awesome. Yes. Resident Evil Eight is so good. Like thinking back on it, I might want to replay it multiple times, but there's maybe one moment in the whole game that I felt was a little superfluous, and like it's the fourth rose part that you get before going to the factory. But like where you just kill a bunch of werewolves for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that part's yeah, a yeah, right, too much. right before the factory. But otherwise that game pacing is perfect and like there's no moment that doesn't feel like unique and well thought out. To the point where I don't know if you found that, but like there's a secret that's just like you find you find a, a little notepad that's like, oh, to find the, the, the code to this uh, box, you need to look by the window. And then you look by the window and there's a bunch of numbers around that. You found that? Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. then I remember I was playing it with my partner and I was like, okay, if they would do a jump scare, they would have done, al- done it already. And then the jump scare arrived just there. And like, even like the small little moments around are crafted and everything feels crafted. I feel, especially for the Resident Evil series where I feel the problem in each Resident Evil game is like, oh, the back half is eh. Like even seven. But this one, like the factory bit with Propeller Man. Propeller Man, which is like, there's a, this big Propeller dude that like runs after you and is the boss and he feels like a Mega Man villain. Uh, (laughs) It's amazing. I really like the factory at the end. And artistic-wise, also, it's I said good. this to you, you know, for sure earlier on. But like, I was so I'm so annoyed because I do feel like that's the criticism that you hear about this one because it's the one you hear about every Resident Evil. Like, oh, it falls apart at the end, and it just felt like this. Oh, none of you are paying attention anymore because the art direction is just as yes. good at the end of this game as it was at the beginning of this game. Like, it's that whole industrial like Hellraiser yeah. Tetsuo Man, like that whole vibe. I, I love the Ferris wheel of dead bodies <laughs> so much. Yes. Yeah, Propeller Man. And then after they give you like this put-put truck with uh, <laughs> a chainsaw arm and a machine gun on it for just a boss fight. And then like, it's not the best part, but when you pass Chris and it literally become like Call of Duty, but with Resident Evil villain, like it's kind of a fun power fantasy to have. Yeah, and it's all, it's all of... 10, 15 minutes, yes, right? Like, and you're basically calling airstrike on werewolves <laughs> for a ball, which is really dumb. And yeah, I feel pacing-wise and just moment to moment, this game, like it's probably the best paced game in a really long time. At least triple a game, it's probably the best paced triple a game in a really long time. The scene when you meet the tableau of villains, like just the that, that cutscene is one of the best cutscenes uh, of the year, like other than I guess the jet opening. But I, because I, pl- I replayed the game three times, and every time I would just, I got so excited to see them all meet each other and yeah. be silly together, and they're all bickering over how they're going to kill you. It's it is the resident, it is the campy Resident Evil version of the Hobbit when the goblins are yeah, talking about yeah. how they're going to eat you best. It's so <laughs> perfect for that game. And yeah, again, like none of none of them are. Like disappointing, like we said, like the factory is good. The fishman dude with daddy issue is like he's kind of sad, but you, you, I, I was rooting for him. 
my DM. Like when he's like, oh, I'm not going to fail you, Miranda, and whatever. I'm like, yeah, you're a cool fish, dude. <laughs> Uh, Als Beneviento with the baby, like people talk a lot about this one, but like it's I, the actually scary part of this game. Well, for me, it's not that bad though, because like it's really short. This part where you're actually stalked by the baby is really short itself, and just the reveal of the baby. Uh, so it does the, the, the corridor thing of a PT where you have to go through the same corridor like something like six or seven times, but every time you go, it changes a little, and like one of the like um, something hanging on the wall will fall or something so there's going to be a little jump scare and the, the literal last time where you do that corridor at the end there's a massive like big baby trying to eat you basically and i did yeah, i did burst out laughing and also i did, i also found it kind of frightening like but it was such an it was such a like an electric <laughs> adrenaline moment of, like so many emotions of this fucking baby then when it eats you and it gurgles. <laughs> like a big gobble gobble. <laughs> and even like when you manage to fi- finish the thing and you just close an elevator and then it smashes face and like cries like a big baby in the thing and like how floppy it is and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil is my number two, so. It's a good number two? <laughs> okay, let's move Resident Evil up. <laughs> Let, okay, let's Resident, let's make Resident Evil temporarily our number one here as we're shuffling. <laughs> we both feel really good about Resident Evil. It is also my number two, which I think is just telling of you and I being like, well, we can't have a triple A at number one. <laughs> so so we're going to have to move down a spot. Is Road 96 your number one? I do have Road 96 at my number one. Okay. Yeah. And Road 96 I do love. Like, I I mean, it is an exceptionally flawed game. Yes. Um, I mean, it, there's... It, it's obvious, like, even when you just turn it on, like, the budget's not there, the voice acting is not where you'd want it to be. And, yeah, and that's some not... scenes are a little awkward, but still the writing's strong enough. The writing's strong enough, and it does the Valiant Hearts thing again, of, like, it does strike that balance of being silly and happy and uh, and sort of appreciating the people rather than the conflict and yes. kind of, like, giving voice to that and, and, you know, having comedic relief characters and then having serious characters and the way it pushes the story forward that way. Yeah, I mean, it's... It is so. I, I like I said. I just I just think it is so impressive the way that all those systems are sort of working on top of each other and everything too. And uh, so it doesn't. Once you have gotten to the very end of it and you've sort of exhausted, like the last two runs that I did, where I was sort of just mopping up the mm-hmm. character plots because like it does give you a literal progression bar on each yeah. character story. Those last two, it does kind of fall apart because you you start to get filler, like procedurally generated pit stops when you're like while you're waiting for new characters to show up. But there are a couple of them that were kind of neat. Like one of the procedurally generated ones, you go to a gas station and the gas station is empty and there's just a note that says like, my employees kept leaving one by one uh, and I couldn't figure out why. And then finally I looked out the window and I saw it. And then you you do this little puzzle where you can um, you basically have to turn power on to the building to like get into the room where there's a window and you get in the window and there's just a little jump scare of a like a ghost at the, <laughs> at the window <laughs> it's like oh okay that was that was a kind of cool spooky yeah random I, thing i didn't expect this game to be this silly but like in a yeah. good way like it it like Valiant Heart did it uh trail line pretty well. The uh I don't know if you got to the one scene with Jared, Jared the psychopath, the serial killer who drives the taxi. Did um did you see the scene where he has someone in his trunk, clearly? No. 
Okay, so there's one scene you you get in the taxi cab and he's just like making small talk with you and you just start to hear someone banging in the trunk like help me like please help me and he's like did you make a noise <laughs> and you're like anyway and you're trying to live in theory and you're just saying no and the voice is just screaming louder and louder uh, anyway and there, there's a couple of scenes with him that are so priceless um, okay. it's a really good uh, there's another one with, with him where you get into a he's killed someone and then you're in a hotel room and you get to the door or uh, the manager knocks on the door and he's like go hide in the closet and then you get in the closet and you turn your head and there's a dead body <laughs> in the closet <laughs> with you so all all of that's uh, super super well done then anyway and I, I like i like a lot of the character stories and i i think the ways that they intersect even when they're almost like aggressively sweet the fact that all of those eight characters do have like some type of you know one arc. or two degrees of yeah. separation from each other yeah. and you know an arc together it's uh, uh I, th- I just think it's really well done and... okay okay what do you want to move well we we uh oh i is kid amnesiac on your thing well what hour what hour are you asking this do you want yesterday at 10 a.m and <laughs> you want today at 10 a.m like what, what are you looking for <laughs> so right now Today, this moment, yes. I have I have Kid Amnesiac at number four. Okay, I have Chivalry two at number four. Mm. Okay, I mean we're cards on the table now. Yeah. <laughs> God, you and I and our stupid AAA feelings—we <laughs> really just make it complicated on ourselves. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you like more? And then I'll tell you what I like more. Okay. Between Psychonauts 2 and Returnal? Uh, that also depends when you ask me. <laughs> but uh, right now, I like Returnal more than Psychonauts 2. I, I will say one thing that has not changed in my list. I do like Returnal more than Psychonauts 2. So, Psychonauts 2 for me is the closest thing we have to what I would call a game that doesn't have really that many flaws. And that there's two levels I don't think are great. Like, I think the end, uh, when you're going through the museum, is, like, very explosion-heavy, and that's not great. And the cooking level is not too great, but also... Oh, I love the cooking level. Oh. Uh, I think that might be my favorite level. Okay. I didn't like the cooking level that much, but whatever. I... The... the like, the surprise I had with Psychonauts 2 is how good it is, because I, like, Double Fine has been on a kind of a downward spiral for me in the last few years. So I didn't expect a lot from it. And then I was like surprised at how good Psychonauts 2, but it also didn't, it really didn't surprise me in a way other than being a good Psychonauts sequel. And like, even here, uh, it talks about trauma and whatever. I think they do well for trauma for a light-hearted game, but like, it's not, and the story didn't grab me that much either. Like, it's a cool story, but like, I know, again, we're the only lunatics that talk this way, but, like, there is something about Psychonauts 2 that is, despite not being perfect, like, it's too good. Like, it's so good that I, there's almost, like, because there's no more rough edges, I lose interest in it to some extent. Yeah, but, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's it's super clean in a way. Like, it it didn't surprise me the way Returnal did, and, uh, Returnal did, and Returnal has a lot of problems. Uh, people have talked about the fact that you cannot stop the runs and even if you can stop them like the runs are too long and getting back to a bus can be like a pain sometimes and i know we had very much different 
pressure points like the, the the moment that were difficult for us were very different uh, that being said like i return home made me frustrated sometimes because like i lost a run that was an hour and a half long and i was like i don't want to do this anymore but when i would get in the mood and when i would get in the flow and when i managed to finish the game which was a two hour and a half run that was way too long i was really into it at that moment and like grabbing my controller and being very invested. And one last thing I think we haven't said that much about Returnals, all the, um, the story stuff is actually really fucking cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like the ending is whatever, but just the presentation of it and when you go in the house and like those PD moments are actually kind of great. And the twist in the middle of the game that you actually managed to escape, but you died of old age and just reappeared back there. And then, like, you need to do the the same level, but in different time zone again. Uh, not the exact same level, but, like, a similar level, no, but, but like in a different time zone. Yeah. It's a super cool twist that I didn't expect from those type of game. Like, uh, No, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. Also, you, you did just remind me, and I just want to mention it while I think of it. The last run I did in Returnal was also, at some point, I just, it just kept going and going and going to the point where my batteries and the controller had died. And I was, I plugged it in, but my, the wire doesn't reach to where I was playing. So I would like plug it in and kind of like play in front of the TV. Cause I also didn't want to lose that flow state. So mm. I would just be plugging it in and I do a little bit and I'd pause and put it down and like charge it up. And then I'd stand back a bit and keep playing. And... Yeah. Uh, Returnal's my number three. Returnal's my number three. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> It's, it is it is too good. <laughs> we've, got, we've got Resident Evil 8 and Eternal in the exact same spot. Uh, um, cool. Oh, I have Psychonauts for you? I have Psychonauts at 5. 5 too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and where do you have Chivalry? 4. Oh, oh, right, right. You told, okay. me, you told me that. Yeah. Chivalry and Kid A, we had tied at 4. Road 96 and Sable, we have tied at one and two. So really what we're trying to do right now is sort... I don't even know how to... I don't even know how to go from here. Tells at 10, Jet at 9, Artful Escape, you're okay at 8? I'm okay with Artful Escape at 8. Okay. So I start it, to get a little more iffy about things like 7 and up on our list right now. I don't know what to move around. Well, I feel our issue is just placing Sable and Road 96. And then... Oh, yeah, maybe Kidai too and whatever, like Kidai and Chivalry. But, like, Kidai and Chivalry should be at the place that Real 96 and Sable are, kind of. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> okay. Let's move Row 96 and Sable above Psychonauts 2. Okay. Just, I think we can say that much safely. Yes. Do you have Sable on your list? I do not have Sable on my list. Oh. I like Sable a lot. Okay. Well, you don't have row 96 on your list. No, so. I don't. But, like, there's also, like, the caveat that I haven't really finished row 96. I was kind of, like, it could have been on my list. And it was also a very hard game to cut. I, I with road ni- well, I mean, I had a hard time cutting Sable also. Mm. Um, row 96, uh, I also played it really late. Like, it was one of the last games that yeah. I played this year. That's even, I told you, like, oh, you have to play this. And it was, yeah, well, that's I want to say, like, last week in November or something yeah. that we... <laughs> I mean, I I think we can move Returnal above Chivalry and Kid A. Yes. 
we both agree with this. Yes. So I, I feel it would be dumb if Chivalry is number three while it's my number four and it's not on your list. <laughs> yeah, I think Chivalry should move down. <laughs> but then if it moves down, then Kid A is also not on your list and for it to be number three would be very silly. Um, I like Kid A. So I, Anna came into my office today and I said, oh, I've changed my whole list. Nothing's the same anymore. And then I just had a YouTube video of the Radiohead game open, and I was like, this is the coolest game in the world. It might be number one. <laughs> but you love Radiohead. It's so cool, that Radiohead game. It's so, so cool. The, you know, my only issue with it is that the QR codes are kind of just ads that just point you to the store. Oh, that's, that's well, like the I didn't thing scan that... them at all. If this, like... If this is what Harmonix starts to make now that they have been acquired by Epic, like if it lets them just like make cool mm-hmm. art games of music people, like that was, if we can get one of these for a, you know a myriad of artists, yeah. like that would be so neat. Another cool thing about Kid A that I thought is rare is that like you're not gonna see Radiohead song in game except Triple A songs, but this feels like an indie game and just. It's what you would call like a vanity project in a way, but like it's also cool that you have access to a Radiohead album, two Radiohead albums to do an indie game walking simulator, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so neat. I also, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit of like magic in that game where you also, sometimes you wonder like, am I going to do something and it's going to change and it doesn't mm-hmm. really do much of anything, but there is a almost antechamber-like quality yeah. to, is this world going to, how is this world going to behave around me while I'm yeah, well, engaging it's, with it's it? It's weird when they show you the map because for a while you think that the world doesn't make spatial sense, but like, unlike when I was talking about Metroidvania earlier, like this is more like surreal, so it works that like you enter a room and then the room is bigger than it should be and stuff like that. But then they show you a map of the museum and actually like that you're literally going to a museum for the first half of it because yeah, most walking simulator are just game where you need to press forward, whereas there's very much the same way that you're going to be in a museum. You're just going to exist in a space and you're going to choose your order and whatever. Or maybe go back to room you liked a little more than the other. I like having that agency, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, and honestly, I do just like the... I mean, the use of music is also just simply really cool and the way that they don't always, like, turn the whole song up all the way. Like, you'll hear, like, yeah. a little bit of a track and then as you move mm. through the space you're hearing different tracks move in and out and and again that like for well it's not the full song except at the end like what when it becomes a linear but like for a while like they could have been easily do one installation for full song and adding you go yeah. through all of them but it's not that like it's a little more interesting on that so i, I like it a lot I'm glad. I I am glad. I I was. Uh, there is a weirdness to recommending someone play a Radiohead game. Be like, yeah. <laughs> okay, please go check out this. Yeah, but, you know. but again, like as I told you, like it's not a game that like I didn't put in my top ten. It's not one of my favorite. But like, if I had to say what's one of the best walking simulator around, like it totally goes in. I put that before a lot of walking simulator games that exist nowadays. Like, so. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Do we like Psychonauts where it is? Ah, uh, yes, we do. Okay. Yeah, I feel Ronin Six and Sable move up, and Chivalry and Kate and Kid Amnesia move down. Okay. You like Chivalry more than Kid A. I do. Maybe it's because I don't like Radiohead that much. 
and I don't like the attachment you have. I was really surprised with how much I like chivalry. The biggest issue with chivalry is that it is what it is because of how chaotic it is. Like, it's hard to get better or worse at it. So, like, it's not a game I'm going to play for hours and hours, but it's a game I'm going to go back to often just because, like, it's always fun. I, I'm okay with, with chivalry above Kid A. Okay. Uh, I like chivalry a ton. Chivalry is really cool, really impressive, not something you see very often. Yeah. Frankly, I'd be okay with this as right now. Huh. Because the thing with Rule 96, again, I really like what I've played of Rule 96, and I could see it also be one of my top 10 games. I do... I don't know. Like, it has issues. Like, uh, again, like you said, the, 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 the production value are not always top tier, and sometimes, like, the... I feel the stitching of the scenes can be a little weird and, like, a little robotic, but still... Um, as a story-wise stuff, it's probably the most interesting story game of the year that I agree with. Yeah. So. Except for maybe Jet the Far Shore, which could still shoot up and be number one or something, <laughs> except that I hate playing. Yes, I hate playing Jet too. Uh, that bit, I was trying to finish it by the end of the year, and that bit where you need to go get that thing in the bibit body, I just fucking was reeling and hating it so fucking much when when i and that's you know also talking and i saying the proof is in the pudding like when i got to that act and i thought i was almost done and i thought maybe i only had like one hour left and then it was like the next act is four hours <laughs> and i had <laughs> this moment of like oh no, no. <laughs> yes same <laughs> okay we cannot move jet up no but I love it. Like, again, uh, there's, especially at the beginning, but there's multiple moments where I was, this is the coolest shit i ever seen. Yeah. And yeah. it's such a nuts game, too, because, like, it, I don't know, it kind of has its head up its own ass. Totally. Like, <laughs> like the fact that, so the character, they're going to talk, like, and whatever, it's an invented language, but you're going to have subtitle, but the fact that they're going to use... They're, go they're not going to use sleep or they're not going to use, like, um, start of your jet. It's going to be, oh, ascend your jet. Or I, I don't remember what are the words, but, like, they change very basic word that we use for a different one just for the sake of it. and getting Sci-fi, maybe. <laughs> Sci-fi and whatever, and to sound clever. I like it. Yeah, no. And you know what else I love in Jet? It's just every single time that you go from Jet and you land into first person, that transition is yes. so cool. Yeah, that actually works. Like, technically, there's a lot of, like, the frame rate's bad even on a PS5, which doesn't make any sense for the quality of the graphic. But the fact that you're going to play first person in the same world that you're going to play the flying around works really well if the game was good, if the gameplay was good. I'm I'm relieved that you also like Returnal as much as I did. I really like Returnal. Problems. I'm surprised that you like Returnal that much because like when how smart games are more my speed than yours normally, and obviously. I mean, I mm. I can respect one that's done well, right? Like I do think it is. I do think it is more fun than Doom. Like I feel like this is what I got. Like what you got out of Doom, I got in this game. And it's like, I got all the, f the mechanical fun of Doom with then also there's going to be a guy playing an organ who's shooting colored lights at you from his yeah. space organ. That was <laughs> so <awesome>. super cool. 
And I don't know, like, also for me, there was very much, this is my PS5, PS5 games, like, there's people that are gonna be more Ratchet and Clank, but, like, it's also, like, graphic-wise and everything, like, it's a very impressive game, and just the cut they do when you die and you restart, like, right away is just very good. And again, like, I played, I did a lot of uh, daily run of this game just because, like, it's just one area when you do a daily run, so it was just a quick 30 minutes run and just for the fun of playing it like i don't care about the scoring or whatever like i just wanted to replay it yeah yeah i, I did a few of those just with my elliptical in the morning because i yeah. you know what i agree yes i think this i think this list looks pretty good <laughs> i and especially because of the nature of like where we're at this year i don't feel so strongly well, i don't feel like it is a must that road 96 be above yeah. Either of those two. Well, the thing I'm like, I'm happy with Resident Evil Village being number one because, again, like, it's not our number one, but, like, as a... It's probably the game we enjoy the most together, and, like, I'm going to replay that game multiple times from time to time, and... Like, I'm glad... I wasn't sure I was going to buy it because, again, I'm not good with our game, and people were saying, well, there's a... It's not that scary, but there's one part that was really fucking scary, but I'm really glad I went through it, and... Finally bought it, and I'm just excited to go back and like explore all the secrets and see my cool fish boy again, and see my cool propeller boy again. And 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 you know when I when you and I were texting earlier this week, and I was saying there are two games this year that are legitimate triumphs. Like I do think Resident Evil Village is one of those triumphs. Yeah, yeah. It, it is actually it is actually like just so good. It's so polished. It's so well yeah, put together. Basically, as well. Again, I was playing with my partner, and uh, let's say the fat shaming stuff's not great, you know, with the the merchant. I kind of, uh, eh. Yeah, yes, the fat shaming part is an issue, but the fact that there is a, a merchant who is just so outside the scope of reality, like it's not... Yeah. It just, it sets a tone for this world that is fantasy-like in nature, so like mm-hmm. I... It didn't have to be that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I like yeah, yeah. that. I like the storybook nature of those characters and their larger than life, you know, feeling. That, yeah. Uh, and it feels like one of those games where, like, there's so many unique assets. As much as there's so many, like, unique set pieces, I felt like the art direction is really, really good. And, like, everywhere I looked, there would be something different and interesting to see and fucking well made to see. And it's weird to say, but, like, it's. It's really not a difficult game. Like, it has this... Like, sometimes you're not going to have enough bullet, but, like, it's really not a difficult game. Like, most of the enemies... Like, I think I died, like, something like five times in the whole game. It's just, like, it's... It's just super fun to go through as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I could keep going with little odds and ends. Like, I, I like that Lady Dimitri- Dimitriscu is a demon or a dragon at yes. the end of her fight for some reason. I like when you go back to the village and there's just like a four-legged slug monster yes. wolf thing just kind of hanging around. Uh, I like you get your hand cut. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> I like how Heaton is a, a loser, but like he's kind of... Like, is this, he's, he is this like no personality loser that is like a basic dude that you would meet in an office but then like he's turning this very much action hero character by the events but not because he is he kind of suck as a person and i love how much of a 
like there is a few moments where a set piece happens and you fight an enemy and then when the enemy dies it's like just oh yeah fuck you but like he never <laughs> feels like this action hero he just feels like he's trying to be cool and like kind of playing at it but like it just gives this very cheesy and dorky vibe to the whole game that I quite enjoyed yeah I really like our list look at this good list of games <laughs> Look at us. Look what we did six hours later. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll also need to go soon. So. Okay. <laughs> do you want well, to read it? Is it? Should I read it? Go for it. You read okay. it. Okay. So, or number 10 is Tales of Arise. Number 9 is Chet the Far Shore. Number 8 is Artful Escape. Number 7 is Psychonauts 2. Number 6 is Kid Amnesia Exhibition. Uh, number five is Chivalry 2, four is Sable, number three is Roll 96, number two is Returnal, and number one is Resident Evil Village. One last thing I need to know, what's your list? Ah, yeah, it's true. I, I suppose that would be worth uh, worth archiving here since it's now it's locked in. If I say it, it's locked in. Yes. So I have at number 10, uh, Mundon, number nine, Forgotten City, number eight, Adios, number seven, Jet. Number six, Artful Escape. Number five, Psychonauts 2. Number four, Kid Amnesiac. Number three, Returnal. Number two, Resident Evil 8. And number one, Road 96. Okay. So I'm surprised because uh, for a while I thought Jet would be one that you actually... But I, I, I feel it's because of what we texted. But like when you texted me about Jet, it was like, I hate this fucking game. Because well, I, I do. <laughs> but, but also, I love that game. So I was kind of afraid that you wouldn't put it there. And that's why when I put it on my list, I was, okay, I'm making a statement here. Because obviously, The Forgotten City is a more fun game to play. But I think Jet is more impressive at the end of the day. No, I mean, I, I Jet Jet's really... I mean, Jet really, the struggle was, is it... Is it, can it even be this low? Yes. Okay. But also... Ugh. So I have number 10 is Wildermyth, as I said. Number 9 is Jet the Far Shore. Number 8 is Dead Store. Uh, number 7 is Tales of Arise. Number 6 is Hitman 3. Number 5 is Psychonauts 2. 4 is Chivalry. Number 3 is Returnal. 2 is Resident Evil Village. And number 1 is Sable. It isn't, I wouldn't have guessed Sable as a sudden top of your list. And me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you got chivalry on our list. Yes. Because I also love chivalry. And you've sold me on Tales of Arise. You, you should try this game. Even, like, I have it when I finish it. I'm just going to lend it to you. Maybe you're going to hate it. But, like, I think I think you should try it. I'll enjoy the pretty colors, if nothing else. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, see you next year. <laughs> next year. Next year. It feels... It feels, knock on wood... Like, we should be able to do it again in person yes, and not hopefully. have to... Gosh, I just, like, yes. if it's the only thing I do in person... <laughs> yes, if it's the only thing we do in person. And I feel it's kind of dumb to say, but, like, I'm scared that next year is going to be another one where the main game is very obvious. Uh, Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Elden Ring is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, Elden Ring. Also, well, will the ship Breath of the Wall too? is the big oh. question mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't want to play breath of the wild 2 in november i need more time <laughs> okay if if breath of the wild 2 is november then we're definitely doing it end of january because <laughs> yeah that makes sense 
That was really fun. I'm exhausted though. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's part of the that's part of the joy. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, this was lovely. I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thank you for everybody. Thanks, Anna and Andrew. We're thinking about you, and lots of love. Lots of love, everybody. Bye bye. Bye. This is it. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you liked it and you're curious about what we taught in previous year, you can find the podcast on my website, alviebate.org. Other than that, hopefully we do another one next year. If you are curious about the songs I've used in the first part, I used uh, Jet the Far Shore to bookend the beginning and the end of the episode. And during the episode, I use some Ariana Grande music and some music from Doom, the video game. In this one, I open the episode with the music of Roll96, Raph's favorite game of the year. I also use music from Tales of Arise, The Artful Escape, and I'm gonna let you with a song composed by Japanese Breakfast that she did for Sable, my game of the year. And hopefully, this is gonna be a great start for your year. See you next time.